We are ready, Mayor. We have a group coming in, so bear with us a little bit. It may get noisy. Okay. Welcome to the August 31st, 2021 budget hearing. And um, this is a special meeting just for the budget. And before we get going, we'll have Porter O'Neill, communications director, give us um, some um, information about how the meeting will be run. Thank you, Mayor, and welcome everybody. Um, I just want to remind everybody that this meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Um, during the meeting, um, when you are not participating, please mute yourself. And please remember to state your name every time you um, speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, it is okay to turn your video off. You will still be able to listen to the meeting when your video is off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you're participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. In some cases, I may turn someone's video off if they're not actively participating to avoid visual distraction during the meeting. You can always turn your video on back on during the meeting. Um, sorry, my script is doing weird things. Um, I believe those are the, the main points, Mayor. So I'll turn the meeting back to you. Mayor Finkel, I thank you, Porter. I'll go ahead and take roll call. Vice Mayor Shipley? Here. Commissioner Nanda? Commissioner Nanda? Did you say my name? Yes. Thank you. Here. Sorry, you cut out. Commissioner Bully? Here. Commissioner Lawson? Here. Mayor Finkel, I am here as well. So all five of us are here. Now, now I'll turn it over to Sherry Wiedemann to give us um, information about um, the public comment portion of the meeting. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, commissioners and staff, uh, please state your name and title each time you speak. Mayor, when a motion is made, please call on commissioners individually to provide their vote and announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. <clears throat> when public comment is sought on an item, the mayor will first call on those participating in person. Individuals wishing to provide public comment should approach the podium following social distancing and safety protocols. Participants are required to wear a mask, but may remove their mask while making remarks at the podium. Please state your name before speaking and your comments will be limited to three minutes. The mayor will then call on those participating virtually. Individuals providing public comment via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu, depending on the device you are using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name. And again, your comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you. Mayor Finkel, I thank you, Sherry. Well, the first item on the agenda is to approve the agenda. Uh, the City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. Since there's only one thing on the agenda, I assume the Commission is happy with where it's at on the agenda, so I look for a motion to approve. Commissioner Larson moved to approve the, the agenda. 
Commissioner Nanda, second. Mayor Finkelai, there's a motion by Commissioner Lawson, a second by Commissioner Nanda. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bowley? Aye. Mayor Finkelai, aye. Passes five to zero. Now the regular agenda item is to conduct a public hearing and, and a, bu a budget public hearing and a revenue neutral public hearing for the 20. 2022 City of Lawrence budget and consider adopting resolution 7391 to levy a property tax rate exceeding the revenue neutral rate. We'll have a presentation from staff. I assume Danielle is leading this or maybe Jeremy. And then um, we'll receive comments first from those in person and then from those online. Jeremy, are you leading off? Jeremy Wellman, finance director. Yes, Mr. Mayor. Just want to make sure everybody can see my screen. Very good. Well, thank you. Um, before we get started with the uh, content for tonight, we just want to remind the public uh, where we've been so far this year with the budget process. So uh, back in May, uh, we first came for policy guidance to help craft the city manager's recommended budget. In June, we brought the uh, capital improvement plan uh, to the city commission for consideration. In July, we brought the full city manager's recommended budget. And um, in July, or July 20th, excuse me, we also had the um, approval to notify the county of our intent to exceed the revenue neutral rate and to establish the public hearing, which we're holding tonight. So uh, what we're here to do tonight is to hold that revenue neutral rate public hearing as required by state law and to uh, also hold the public hearing for the budget simultaneously. And then um, should the commission so order approve the resolution uh, notifying the public of uh, our uh, desire to exceed the revenue neutral rate per the per state law. Um, the final option or the final actions for the budget this year, September 7th, we would have the budget resolution. That would be the final passage uh, for the budget for 2022 so that we can submit that to the county. And then later this year, we'll um, have the utility rate ordinances and the bond authorization resolution uh, for any temporary notes, general obligation bonds or revenue bonds. Uh, contemplated in the 2022 through 2026 capital improvement plan. So really we just wanted to um, bring back to the, the public some information that we shared uh, earlier in the process. Uh, so some of this will be uh, repetitive for those who had heard it before, um, but for those who are hearing it for the first time, um, really the uh, ongoing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and what it has done to our revenue is, I think, the, the headline story, if you will, of our budget. Um, while the sales tax has been incredibly volatile, um, we saw significant uh, reductions in sales tax last year. Uh, we started off this year a little more sluggish than we had liked, uh, but have really seen a rebound in the last couple of months with sales tax, uh, which led us to uh, have a fairly optimistic viewpoint uh, for the 2021 and the 2022 budgets for sales tax. The same with the uh, guest tax and the liquor tax. Those were significantly impacted during the pandemic and the shutdowns. Uh, we're starting to see signs of life that those are, are rebounding back to the 
traditional patterns that we had seen pre-pandemic, which is encouraging as well as with building permits. So fundamental to uh, the city is providing the essential services that the public demands and uh, is entitled to. And um, this is also the 2022 budget will be the first year where the city has operationalized the strategic plan that we worked uh, very diligently on last year to craft. I would say that um, if you're going to boil our budget down to three essential elements, these would be those three elements. Uh, what we heard from the public during the strategic planning process, uh, what we heard from the city commission during the prioritization process, uh, and what city staff has uh, recommended to the, to the city manager who is ultimately recommending to you are the, uh, the, the three fundamental priorities for our organization next year, which is uh, resources for housing security. We've uh, aligned $4.7 million in funding, uh, the commitment to infrastructure, which is essentially the capital improvement plan and the maintenance plan is uh, in total for the five-year plan, four hundred almost $49 million. And uh, we just put this footnote here that this was all contemplated pre the, um, the infrastructure bill that's being discussed in, in Congress right now. So uh, we, we may look for that number to, to increase, or we may look for uh, some of these projects that are currently slated to be debt financed to be funded by federal grants. But um, in our current budget plan, we, we don't have any of those dollars that uh, we're hoping to receive from that infrastructure bill programmed in. And then uh, finally, uh, the, through the strategic plan, we really uh, wanted to put an emphasis on bringing the compensation for city employees to market rates over the next few years. And so in this budget is a 2.5% general wage adjustment and also um, agreements with the LPOA, the IAFF, and the Teamsters for the first time. Um, we did this last year, but we also just wanted to bring it back to your attention that um, last year and again this year, we've budgeted personnel at 97% um, instead of 100%. So we're essentially um, counting on a 3% turnover rate, uh, which is still less than what we've seen traditionally. Uh, so we feel comfortable with this conservative estimate, but it then did allow uh, to, to allocate those resources to other strategic initiatives uh, within the current budget. So a couple of key revenue assumptions. Um, this one comes from the county. So it's not really an assumption. It's what we were told. The uh, assessed valuation went up 2.47%. Um, we had, uh, the city commission had directed that we keep the mill levy flat. And so you'll see that in this budget that um, the, re the revenue from property taxes did increase due to the increase in assessed valuation, but not as a result of a, a request to increase the mill levy. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're assuming a 4.3% increase over 2019 actuals, uh, which puts us online with our historical um, revenue growth on the sales tax. So the total operating expenditures outlined in the 2022 budget notice is just over $400 million. 
And while this number uh, sounds really high, um, I think there's some context that we need to provide that will help uh, the public understand. Probably the most confusing thing about government finance is that each fund is its own set of operating books. Um, in a business, you have consolidating accounts, et cetera. In governmental funds, every, every fund we have, so every um, dedicated uh, revenue stream has its own assets and liabilities and revenues and expenditures. Uh, and in the governmental side, that all boils down to fund balance. And in the enterprise side, that boils down to net position. But really, because we have to run them all as independent books, then if um, it, for this example, the capital sales tax gives uh, $2 million to the general fund for road maintenance, then we would show the sales tax being recorded as a revenue in the capital sales tax fund. We would show an expenditure in the capital sales tax fund, transferring it to the general fund, which would then be a revenue to the general fund and ultimately an expenditure of road maintenance in the general fund. So in a way, it uh, gives the appearance of being double counted, but that is a requirement of governmental finance because each one of these funds stand alone. Um, so when you look at that $400 million number, what you're really looking at is uh, a lot of moving parts within the uh, organization uh, in an effort actually to streamline where the expenditures are targeted. Uh, so instead of having some street maintenance out of the general fund and some street maintenance out of the road, or I'm sorry, out of the uh, sales tax fund and some street maintenance out of the gasoline uh, fund and some street maintenance out of a grant fund, it would all be out of the general fund. So um, the, uh, the desire to bring all those expenditures to one common place then precipitated the increase in, in operating transfers. So unfortunately, when you try to compare, you know, the 2022 budget with say 2015 or 2016, it looks like a uh, in incredible increase uh, to the general fund and to the overall budget. And that's really where that increase is. And uh, we have a slide here um, to show you that in just a second. But um, the so the um, another difficulty with governmental budgeting is there are some um, statutorily required funds, and those are what show up on the state budget form. And then there's other um, funds that the state doesn't require budget for but we provide a budget for, for uh, better transparency and openness of operation. Um, and so there's essentially two documents, if you will, the state document and then the, uh, the city operating document, which we're discussing here tonight. Uh, ultimately though, the projected fund balance for the general fund is 21%, uh, which is why, um, as you'll see in a minute, we'll uh, over the next few years need to work on strategies to bring the general fund uh, back into structural balance. So um, this slide was put together a few days ago to try to help the public understand uh, all of that stuff I just said. Um, if you have, uh, if you could imagine with me that we had started this back in 2017 rather than 2021, then what we've done is we've added those revenues and those expenditures, and that's the uh, the large tan box you see of expenditures. So um, that number will not match what you find in our audit or our budget documents because we've created this just for illustration purposes. But 
had the golf course fund, had the uh, recreation fund, had the um, consolidated sales taxes and uh, fuel taxes for road maintenance all been charged to the general fund back in 17, 18, 19, and 20, then this is essentially what our budget would look like comparing 2017 to 2022. There still is a slight increase from 20 uh, to 21 and 20 uh, and 22, but it's not nearly as drastic as if you look at the actual budget from 2017. And that's because of that significant um, policy change that we made uh, for the 2021 budget. And so when you look at our revenues, um, the the sales taxes, you'll see the, the, the dip in sales tax for COVID. Um, if you essentially ignore that dip and put those two lines together, it's much more of a um, traditional projection uh, than what we've seen over the last couple of years. As you can see, property taxes have had um, traditionally a 4% increase year over year. So there's uh, really no significant change there. Um, the charges for services have essentially stayed flat until the last couple of years. And that uh, again is uh, due to um, increases in the revenue that we receive from the county for uh, EMS billing predominantly. But the one line that you see that has a significant change is that transfer in. Um, and that's really because of the uh, focus on um, getting the money to be where we, where we want it to be uh, for operational purposes. So as you can see, there, there wasn't a significant sales tax increase or property tax increase. It really was that transfer in that uh, accounts for that large increase from uh, 20 to 21 and then 21 to 22. And so um, if you'll recall, we talked a little bit about the uh, plan for the uh, federal grant they, called the American Rescue Plan. Um, what we have, uh, what, what that last slide showed just for the general fund, but we also experienced in other funds was a, a significant decline in revenue due to the COVID pandemic. And so the city's uh, plan for the American Rescue Plan is to help rebuild uh, the revenue portfolio for the city to maintain the uh, essential city services uh, and not have any significant reductions in uh, operation or staff. Uh, and we intend to use the federal funds to bridge that gap, if you will, uh, over the next several years, um, which will also allow us a time to um, rebalance the general fund and the other uh, operating funds using our priority-based budgeting approach and the strategic plan to inform those decisions. And this is a slide that uh, we shared at our, uh, at our, our first uh, discussion about the budget. You can see that gap between revenues and expenditures. That's the, the gap that the uh, federal funds will be filling so that we uh, maintain our um, we maintain our balance as required by state law, but then at the end of that period is where we really need to make sure that we've made adjustments to either expenditures or revenues uh, to bridge that gap by 2024. And so the next few slides is really talking about um, adjustments that were made to the 2022 budget 
to address what we heard from the public uh, and the city commission in regards to the strategic plan. And uh, this is really the opera, opera, operationalization of that plan. Um, on the administrative services fund side are four positions to help us carry out the um, support for the outcomes that uh, the commitment teams are responsible for. So we have one in the sustainability office, we have one in the equity and inclusion office, we have one in the finance department uh, to help with uh, budget anal analytics, and then we have one in the economic development uh, department to help with uh, economic prosperity. Grant funded, um, we're recommending a grant administrator to help us uh, primarily administer the American Recovery Plan grant. Uh, but in addition to that, helping with the other grants that the city receives. Uh, and this administrator will also be instrumental in helping us with the infrastructure bill that we know will be coming uh, hopefully next year. In addition to that, we have an uh, administrative technician, um, I believe for the transit department, uh, mobility planner uh, for the transit department, and a homeless initiatives coordinator out of the grant fund as well. There are also some uh, recommended changes within the, the police department, and I believe uh, Interim Chief Hefley can speak more eloquently to this than I can, but um, in the discussions that I was in, uh, there was a, a real desire in within the police department to uh, identify those areas where non-sworn um, members of their staff could uh, be of a benefit to the public and allow the sworn staff then um, to focus more primarily on, on what they're called to do. Uh, and so in doing that, uh, it was reclassifying some vacant uh, patrol officer positions, one for an accreditation analyst, uh, one for a victim witness coordinator, and then uh, four for that non-sworn response unit to sort of uh, triage, if you will, before uh, the sworn officers are called in in, in uh, given situations. And then two of them were uh, are being committed to that housing unit in another triage uh, fashion, if you will, to help with the uh, the homelessness uh, initiatives that will be starting up next year. And so the uh, overall number of authorized um, positions within the city is. Uh, recommended at 888.9 people. Um, and you can see that we have that breakdown uh, by department here. And then there's a, a little bit uh, deeper breakdown in our uh, present, or I'm sorry, attached to our staff report tonight as well. And so uh, just wanted to touch a little bit on the housing initiatives division that's being um, recommended to uh, be stood up during uh, the 2022 budget. Um, again, these were things that we heard uh, from the public and from the city commission during the strategic plan. And um, this is really our, um, our answer to that call, if you will. The primary outcomes of this division will be uh, homeless outreach, emergency sheltering, rapid rehousing, affordable housing, and homeowner and neighborhood assistance. And some of these um, have already been long-term prior, uh, funding priorities for the city. Uh, this was really just a, a centralization of all those different um, housing initiatives uh, under one roof, if you will, 
to provide uh, better coordination and better uh, cooperation throughout the city and uh, our community partners. And so the, um, the, the budget for the housing initiatives division looks like this. The funding identified in the general fund is around $358,000 uh, for administrative services. The uh, service contract to help with all of those programs I mentioned before is slated uh, at just over $1.1 million. And then some of the long-term grants that we have had uh, historically are, are just being, again, brought over here for uh, coordination of effort. The uh, home program, the CDBG program, the uh, housing trust fund is predominantly funded by a sales tax and then uh, state grants that we anticipate to get to help with that coordination effort as well. So the, the entire budget recommendation for 2022 is um, just under $4.8 million. So we've had a, a few things change since uh, the last time we presented the budget and we wanted to, to bring those up here. Um, one of the things we had hoped to get into the city manager's recommended budget before we made the recommendation and we just ran out of time was uh, the acknowledgement that when the city use, utilizes a utility, we need to pay for it just as much as any other customer within the utility. Um, traditionally, city services have not been charged uh, for water. I believe uh, several years ago, we started charging for stormwater, but we've never charged for solid waste or uh, water. And so we took some time this year to really figure out what would that be, you know, if we charged the golf course for the water, if we charged um, the swimming pool for the water, et cetera. And um, as I'm sure you won't be surprised, it was a really large number. And so um, in order to not compromise the other funding priorities within the budget, uh, it was decided that we would uh, step this up. So in uh, this year, we're providing 50% of our utilization as revenue to the water fund. Uh, and next year, we'll provide the other 50% so that the uh, by 2024, the city will be fully funded, paying for all of the water, solid waste, and stormwater charges, uh, just as well as all the other uh, customers within the district. And uh, we also have uh, worked with the our natural gas providers to ensure that the franchise fee uh, paid by uh, the natural gas provider is uh, commensurate with the electric provider as well. A few other changes. There was um, a funding swap between farmland and 23rd Street. I, I really believe this was uh, more of a timing issue, but um, I'm sure those project managers would be happy to discuss that further. And uh, we also wanted to make sure that in, in some instances, we have uh, some funds that were actually gaining a benefit on the investment portfolio and uh, actually weren't being, weren't being charged for that service. And so in line with our administrative services policy, um, we want to make sure that all the funds that participate in the investment strategy pay for the investment strategy. Um, so it really wasn't a large expenditure. It was just making sure that we had um, expenses in the same funds that we had income uh, on the investment side. And then there was uh, an adjustment to the solid waste vehicle uh, in the vehicle and equipment replacement plan. 
believe we're getting close here. This slide uh, was something that we came up with after uh, our last discussion with you all. If you'll recall, um, we uh, spent some time to um, really focus the budget this year by strategic initiative, uh, but we left out one uh, section of the budget, which was the debt. And when we, you know, when we first looked at it, um, we had considered the debt, you know, being paid through the finance department as a uh, commitment to the strategic plan rather than an outcome of the strategic plan. But uh, as we gave that some more consideration, we really felt like every time we uh, invest a dollar uh, in the city, it behooves us to know where that dollar is going. And so when you look at the, um, I think $30 million that the city has allocated for debt service this year, the, uh, the stratification of where those payments go, uh, interestingly enough, is pretty similar to the stratification of all the other dollars that the city spends. There's a significant investment in infrastructure, which uh, owning a water and a sewer utility shouldn't come as a surprise, um, but we have a significant investment in infrastructure um, there's also uh, investments, the new police facility, uh, at the uh, not new, but the remodel of the fire departments uh, have us investing 9% of our total debt service in safe and secure outcomes. So we just wanted to, to share this slide with you all um, for context purposes, but really um, just the acknowledgement that every time uh, the city commission authorizes a debt project, it's an investment into the future. And we're going to track that by outcome area to see uh, where that falls within our strategic plan. So this is new for us uh, this year. Um, hopefully you've had a chance to see uh, the videos that Porter and his team put together. Uh, I think they did a tremendous job. Um, but we really felt that instead of having everyone listen to me drone on about the, the budget by outcome area, uh, we would just play this video real quick and uh, it will cover all of the outcome areas identified in the strategic plan. And then I will come back after that. Hi, my name is Jeremy Wilmoth and I'm the director of finance for the city of Lawrence. Now, through the end of August, city staff and commissioners are working on the 2022 budget and we're inviting you to help. It all starts with the city manager's recommended budget, which was presented to city commission on July 13th. From there, we gather feedback and make adjustments in order to build the right budget to satisfy the needs of our community. The city's budget is built based on projected revenues for that year. Revenues come from a variety of sources, including property taxes, sales taxes, and charges for services. For 2022, the City of Lawrence is not proposing to raise our property tax rate. For sales taxes, we're projecting an increase of 4.3%. The recommended budget does include an increase to utility rates to help fund some of our needed infrastructure projects, but those won't be finalized until this fall. Infrastructure is one of three core funding initiatives being proposed in the 2022 budget. The other initiatives focus on affordable housing and homelessness and increasing employee compensation to market rate. To compete in our metro region and ensure the city is recruiting the best people to work for our community, it's important we increase compensation and modernize our pay structure into a sustainable system. 
Our budget looks toward the future to reflect the priorities our community told us they want to see. Those priorities ultimately culminated in the city's strategic plan. Identified in that plan are five outcomes which define what the city is charged by the community to do and how we plan to accomplish our mission for Lawrence. Create a community where all enjoy life and feel at home. Our next videos on the 2022 budget will dive into those outcomes to see how the recommended budget reflects our strategic priorities. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation and the Champion of the Unmistakable Identity. The Unmistakable Identity team focuses on making sure Lawrence is a welcoming community synonymous with arts, diverse culture, fun, and quintessential downtown. Our businesses around town, city parks, and community events contribute to the vibrancy experienced by all people in Lawrence. The Unmistakable Identity budget includes the Parks and Recreation Department, Lawrence Public Library, and the city's guest tax fund, which helps fund events, arts, and culture programs, including the outdoor downtown sculpture exhibition. Parks and Recreation offers a variety of programs, activities, and events for our community. This includes hiking and biking trails, forestry, landscaping, and operations for recreation facilities, Eagle Bank Golf Course, and more. Through our budget, we want to make sure we're allocating enough resources so that residents are satisfied with our parks and recreation system and an amount of arts, diverse culture, and events available in our community. Some of the funding for parks and recreation goes towards scholarships for city programs and partner agencies. Our strategic plan includes strategies to help ensure we're meeting scholarship needs for our recreation programs. This includes engaging underserved and underrepresented communities and providing access, accessible, diverse, and inclusive parks and recreation programs and amenities. Unmistakable Identity is doing our part to create a community where all Lawrence residents enjoy life and feel at home. Jeff Crick, Director of Planning and Development Services and the champion for strong, welcoming neighborhoods. City teams are working hard to foster strong, welcoming neighborhoods in Lawrence. This means that all people in Lawrence live in safe, functional, and aesthetically unique neighborhoods that provide opportunities to lead healthy lifestyles with access to safe and affordable housing and essential services that help them thrive. Strong, welcoming neighborhoods includes the city's Planning and Development Services Department and our Solid Waste Team. 2022 will be the second year of the solid waste rate model and that budget includes investment in our solid waste team members as well as equipment and system modernization. Planning and Development Services currently has a team to address affordable housing and housing security, but with the 2022 budget we are focusing that group even more. Addressing homelessness in our community is one of the core funding initiatives of the 2022 proposed budget and a lot of those recommendation changes are reflected here. The city's community development division will become the housing initiative division and they will support three primary goals in addressing homelessness in our community. Homeless outreach, emergency sheltering, and rapid rehousing. We've proposed a few new grant funded staff positions to help facilitate this work. The focus on homelessness will also affect our city's social services grant program, 
with our proposed budget outside social service agency funding would be directed to those organizations actively doing work in the areas of homeless outreach, emergency sheltering, and rapid rehousing. This is a purposeful and strategic choice to improve our work in an area that the community has told us is a top priority. We anticipate that these changes will have a direct effects on the point in time count for homeless individuals in our community, which is one of our measurements for success in the strategic plan. We hope in 2022, we can continue to make our neighborhoods a strong, welcoming place for all our neighbors to enjoy life and feel at home. Sean Coffey, Chief of the Lawrence Douglas County Fire Medical Department and Champion for the Safe and Secure Outcome. And I'm Anthony Brixis, Major for the Lawrence, Kansas Police Department. The Safe and Secure Outcome is working to make sure Lawrence is a community where all people feel safe and secure and have access to trusted public and community-based safety resources. Included in Safe and Secure are the Police Department, Lawrence Douglas County Fire Medical Department, and the Municipal Court. The Safe and Secure budget addresses several of the strategies in our city strategic plan. For example, the police department wants to maximize the use of civilian capabilities to make the deployment of specialized and technical personnel more efficient. In order to address our current officer shortage and provide the level of service our community expects, we're recommending reallocating vacant patrol positions to civilian employees. Our police department is also focusing on achieving accreditation this year, which is why we've proposed adding an administrative position dedicated solely to this process. Our fire medical budget changed this year as we collaborated with Douglas County to update our fund sharing agreement for the department. The city and county partnership is vital to the success of all Lawrence Douglas County fire medical's efforts to keep our community safe and secure. Looking forward to 2022, we're implementing our department-specific strategic plan that will build upon the outcomes and strategies of the city's plan, in addition to the priorities from others throughout Douglas County. The Safe and Secure team members are committed to creating a safe community where all enjoy life and all feel at home. Kramkano, the City of Lawrence's Economic Development Administrator, and I'm also the champion for the Prosperity and Economic Security Outcome Area. With Prosperity and Economic Security, the City of Lawrence is fostering an environment that provides all people and businesses the opportunity for economic security and intentionally acknowledges, removes, and prevents barriers created by systemic and institutional injustice. Our community succeeds because of collective prosperity and a vibrant, sustainable local economy. This outcome is guided by strategies identified in the Community Economic Development Strategic Plan in alignment with the city's strategic plan to help us recover from the pandemic and create an even better and stronger economy for our community going forward. As one of three ways to grow the local tax base, economic development is critical to our local economy, helping to attract and grow companies that create quality jobs, provide additional capital investment, and continually infuse outside dollars into the community. To this end, the 2022 budget provides resources to the Chamber and the Economic Development 
Corporation for business attraction and retention in targeted industries. It also provides resources to the Bioscience and Technology Business Center, now known as the KU Innovation Park, to incubate, develop, and grow life science and high technology companies, and to the Beasley Technical Training Center for providing entrepreneurship support for a new business incubator slash makerspace, as well as workforce training to meet local demand for skilled employees. In addition, the budget proposes hiring one additional staff member to accommodate continued financial stewardship of existing economic development programs and projects, as well as allowing for new strategic work. Prosperity and economic security is collaborating with our community to help everyone enjoy life and feel at home. I'm Melinda Harger, Assistant Director of Municipal Services and Operations and the champion for the Connected City Outcome. The Connected City Outcome works to ensure the City of Lawrence has well-maintained, functional, and efficient infrastructure, facilities, and other assets. Connectivity supports accessible, sustainable methods for safely moving people and information throughout the community and the region. Connected City includes Lawrence Transit and our Municipal Services and Operations Department. Investment in Connected City reflects the city's commitment to contribute to the well-being of all people. When you look at a 2022 budget breakdown by outcome area, you'll see that a majority of the budget goes toward Connected City. This is because most of the 2022 capital improvement plan projects fall under municipal services and operations and include a significant investment in the city's infrastructure. Infrastructure maintenance and improvement is one of the core funding initiatives of the 2022 recommended budget. And our our strategic plan includes several measures for our city's infrastructure, including satisfaction with the condition of city streets and the reliability of core services like water and wastewater. Some of the infrastructure projects that we're planning on addressing this year include improvements to the Kansas River Wastewater Treatment Plant, creation of the Municipal Services and Operations Field Operations Campus, and road work throughout town, including full reconstruction of East 23rd Street and portions of Wakarusa Drive. The 2022 budget also includes around $9 million to construct the new multimodal transfer facility, which will be located at Bob Billings and Crestline, and is part of our strategy to maximize Lawrence transit ridership through improved access, comfort, and convenience for all riders. Connected City provides the infrastructure our community needs to ensure everyone enjoys life and feels at home. Jeremy Wellman, Finance Director, just a few more slides here. Um, a lot of information has been uh, put together and uh, sourced on our website, which we've listed here. Uh, some of those things that we've uh, included in our uh, staff report tonight, as well as uh, can be found on the website, is a frequently asked questions memo. Uh, so those questions that we heard uh, from multiple people and, and those things that uh, we got the general sense that the public was having um, questions about we tried to put together in a in a comprehensive document uh, for uh, you all to review as well as the public we also uh, included the transfer memo this year like we did last year to help uh, explain where those transfers are going and why as well as the internal service memo uh, ex again explaining uh, where those uh, charges for services are going and why 
um, the personnel summary and then um, a synopsis of uh, what we uh, what we heard on the uh, Lawrence Listens uh, application. And so the uh, action items for tonight will be to conduct the uh, public hearing and the revenue neutral rate public hearing. And then uh, should the commission so desire approving resolution 7391, uh, establishing that the city will uh, exceed the revenue neutral rate per state law. So those are uh, all of the comments that I have. I'd just like to once again, um, remind everyone that uh, that this process uh, you know, started in earnest for us back in February, and a lot of city staff have dedicated a lot of time and effort to uh, co uh, collate the information uh, to help us to uh, make this presentation and uh, most importantly to uh, help uh, prioritize our funding initiatives in alignment with the strategic plan process. So, I want to uh, thank Danielle Bushcutter, our budget and strategic initiatives administrator, who really spearheaded both the strategic plan project and the budget project and the capital improvement plan project and the public uh, uh, performance-based budgeting project. And uh, she's uh, just does a tr tremendous job for our office and really keeps uh, everything moving and uh, is, is very informative and helpful. Uh, and so we, we absolutely couldn't do this without her. But I also want to thank the rest of the uh, budget committee that's comprised of all the departments uh, that you've heard from tonight um, and the work they've done to really help us uh, provide what I think is a, a pretty comprehensive picture of our uh, strategic plan in action for next year. Uh, with that, um, Mr. Mayor, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you. Mayor Finkelstein, thank you, Jeremy, for that presentation. Thank you for all the work you've done, and as you said, Danielle and the entire group. And um, so, first, we will see if any commissioners have questions before we open it up to public comment. Obviously, we've also received a lot of comments in the in the Lawrence listens, which I know we've looked at and can talk about later as well. But questions from any commissioners at this point. Mayor Finkel, I see none at this point. We would open this to the um, public hearing. We are officially, let me read this. We're officially going to open the pub budget public hearing and revenue neutral public hearing at this time. And we'll start by hearing from persons who are present at City Hall. It, um, you can come up to the podium and speak and you'll have three minutes and Sherry will direct you if there's any need to uh, make sure people um, keep safe COVID distances. And then we'll open it up to people online. So please go ahead. Yeah, if you just wanna come up one at a time and just try to wait till the other person gets done. There's a clock there and I'll say time when you're at three minutes, but it'll be the mayor's discretion when to tell you to stop. Sorry, yep. Okay. Uh, my name is Joel Campbell. I'm a member of the Sunrise Movement. <clears throat> Basic accessibility is central to democracy. The reasons why are fairly obvious, as proper access to quality information allows voters to make informed decisions. Lack of transparency can lead to corruption and to the alienation of the voting base. 
It's interesting to me then that the specifics of the budget are so hard to track down. The so-called transparency document that was released on the city's website is, at first glance, incredibly difficult to navigate. The user is thrown into a busy UI with tons of options, tabs within tabs, and vague wording. Crucially, there is also no working budget-wide search function. Only after playing with the website for a few days and obtaining a copy of the city's strategic plan, a completely separate document, was I comfortable talking with fellow members of the Sunrise Movement about specific numbers in the website. I'd like to elaborate on those numbers as well, which are similarly confusing and caused us to struggle in analyzing the budget. The categories on the website are incredibly vague, notably in the case of the police budget. A category called patrol receives nearly $14 million in the 2022 budget. Is this massive sum for vehicles, for weapons? Does it pay the salaries of the officers? The budget for the training category has been completely eliminated. This is concerning for different reasons, but critically, there is no explanation for why it has disappeared. Similar examples outside the police budget include sidewalk mitigation, which after only receiving $9,000 in 2021, will get no money in this budget. I assume and hope that this cost has simply been moved under another category, but there's no way to know by looking at the budget. One of the main points that Sunrise is making tonight is that the sustainability office is not being funded properly. The only reason that we understand this is because we met directly with city employees who informed us that the requested positions had been denied. There is a relatively small section tucked away under the office of the city manager titled sustainability, but without any description, it'd be impossible to understand the context of the $170,000 allocated. The reason that I'm able to tell and tell any of you this now is because when I was working on figuring out the transparency website, I was on break from school with a lot of free time on my hands. I also had several members of the Sunrise to collaborate with, and I do enjoy picking apart difficult interfaces. If any of these things were different, I wouldn't have been able to effectively decipher the transparency document. A constituent should not need hours of free time, a whole team of other people, and lots of patience with dense and confusing UI to read a budget that's frustratingly vague in the first place. Bottom line, if the point of the transparency document was to make the budget accessible and to make specific expenditures more widely understandable, it has failed. The website's interface must be streamlined and costs must be explained fully, not only for the sake of accessibility, but for the sake of democracy in Lawrence. Thank you. <clears throat> cool. Don't know what that was about. Um, my name is Eric Hyde. <clears throat> I, you know, I ran for city commission. Sorry, I'm just a little afraid of everybody. Can I get the remote for the TV up there since the delay is so bad? Thanks for interrupting me, but that's all right. You can all talk. Right, get him the remote. Um, I'm sure you guys are well aware, a lot of, a lot of people in the city are psychopaths, including people that work for the city, nearly all people in the city. Um, uh, it sucks. Um, but I've met some good employees of the city. I've been picking up the park, Naismith Park. Um, you guys have a budget for it, but you're not actually doing it. Um, it's all right. You're lots of stuff going on. It, it can all be fixed. Um, I want to say that uh, I've had, I've met some police officers here. They're just doing their job. They're, um, I actually trust some of them. 
Um, I don't, I don't trust any of the politicians or people in the government here, like the bigger ups, um, cause they're obviously lying. And, uh, like that finance, um, presentation, you can't fool me. So, um, let's try to keep it positive though. Um, Okay, so, oh, I did want to say one thing though. You see, I, I don't like to script my things. I just like to think about it and then say it because I like to tell the truth, unlike nearly all of you. So I was going to sue Bert Nash. Um, in Heartland Community Center because they've been treating me like I'm mentally ill and I'm, I'm not. Um, I have a traumatic brain injury, whatever. Um, I'm just different. That's good. It's good to be extraordinary and not normal because look, we all see what's going on. So let's stand, let's, let's not stand up and, you know, like do violent stuff let's stand up and like tell the truth let's let's just do it anyway i talked to some of the police i'm sure it's all on body cam footage i i do my best to tell the truth all the time it's really hard to do because <laughs> it's scary it's but anyway um I'm trying to keep it fast. Anyway, the mayor's wife committed me because I said I was going to do something. And so um, she's a very important woman at Bird Nash. Um, she's a human performance director. I still think she's a great person. Uh, kind of. Um, anyway, what that was was a way to intimidate me. Um, they said I was unsafe. I'm not unsafe. This is something that people do okay. almost on. Okay. Well, up, please. Let me try to wrap it up. Okay. Mr. Mayor, I, I believed in you, man. Um, I still kind of do. Yeah, you can smile. Okay, just let me finish. Just let me finish. You guys like to control the public too much. Let me finish what I was trying to say. I'm sorry. I'm not actually, I shouldn't be sorry. Okay. Okay. I can't, I can't give up. Okay, what was I going to say? I was going to say that, oh, yeah, you guys intimidated me. That's, you can't do that to the public. Uh, you intentionally wanted to make me quit city commission, whoever it was. There are a lot of women involved. Um, a lot of people I don't know about, whatever way. 
Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't like making stuff up. But you guys aren't thank doing the right. You're not doing the right thing. Thank, thank you. Stop lying to people. Stop it. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Victor Selokwaltekat. It's a very long name. Uh, and I'm, all, I'm also part of the Sunrise Movement. Uh, I have a question for the commissioners. Uh, can you educate the public regarding the city's budget to reduce compostables from going to the landfills? Typically, you can go ahead and ask your questions and we'll, we'll respond to all of them at the end. That's the question. Thank you. I can, re I can repeat it. Can you educate the public regarding the city's budget to reduce compostables from going to the landfills? Yeah, when all the public speaking is done, we'll address the questions. I'm sorry? When all of the public speakers are done, then we, we ask the staff to address the questions. Very well. Then I'll, I'll wait to the end. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Noah Hookstra. Uh, I'm here to echo some of the concerns that uh, Joel has already put forward um, regarding the strategic plans and commitments to environmental sustainability, as well as the five uh, principles of the Green New Deal, which the Sustainability Office um, and this office um, adopted that are clearly lacking in this budget. Um, with the current funding of the Sustainability Office, it does not have the necessary staff to make these principles a reality and to effectively mitigate climate change. Um, uh, additionally, I know you support the strategic commitment considered to, to, quote, considering the environmental consequences of every decision, big and small, end quote. But if we want to actually move forward on that commitment, we need more support, staff, and tangible investment to the sustainability office. You have the power to do so and to adequately fund this office so we can continue to meet the challenge of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and creating a sustainable future in Lawrence. The five uh, principles of the Green New Deal were adopted by the Sustainability and Advisory Board and then by the city, and yet climate change appears nowhere in the um, in the budget. Additionally, the housing, uh, but the house, the funding allocated for housing does not clearly outline how sustainability is going to be a part of that. One would think that if, if the city was taking these uh, principles seriously, they would actually uh, consider what these principles had to say, considering they've adopted them. This is clearly not the case. And me, along with most everyone here today is to try and hold accountable for the words that you put into put into effectively policy this last February. Uh, thank you for your consideration. We hope that you rectify this budget. Thank you. Should I just get started? Yeah, just please okay. your name first. Green City Commissioners, my name is Paris Ray and I'm one of the organizers of the Climate Rally, a KU student, and last but not least, a citizen of Lawrence. I'm here because I share the same concerns as the rest of the community. I'm going to keep this short and simple. Number one, 
fund the sustainability office and give them more than one additional staff member. One additional staff member cannot fix our climate issue, just like one city commissioner cannot fix the entire city's problems. Number two, uphold your commitment to the five tenets of the Green New Deal. If we can accomplish this correctly, we can lead the state in climate reform and maybe even give Kansas a better image. Number three, please improve your website if you truly want easy and accessible transparency. I know I speak for many when I say we will be watching. We won't stop watching after this rally and we will certainly be watching future budget processes. Sunrise Movement and the Lawrence community are not going anywhere. Thank you for your time. Hello, my name is Michael Sheen and I urge you to prioritize the Lawrence Climate Action Plan in the 2022 budget. Livable wages help the people in our community pay rent and afford food and live easier lives. As representatives of our community, we need, to, we need you to stick to your word and provide us with the principle two of the Green New Deal. Allow the people of Lawrence to live easy and fund the Lawrence Climate Action Plan. I'd also like to add that I'm a PhD candidate at KU. I'm a glaciologist and I specialize in the, studying the Greenland ice sheet. The changes I and the scientific community observe in the Arctic are unprecedented. As a colleague of mine likes to say, it goes from ice sheets to main streets. To reduce the impacts of climate change has on Lawrence, carbon emissions must be reduced and sustainability office positions must be made full-time and permanent. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Katie Ahern. Um, in the City of Lawrence Climate Action Plan, it designated fall 2021 until winter 2022 for public input and community conversation. As a community member, I urge the City Commission to allocate proper funding to the Sustainability Office now. Despite the fact that the City of Lawrence committed to the five principles of the Green New Deal in February, this budget does not reflect that commitment. In order to properly fulfill the promise that you made to the City of Lawrence, you need to finance the infrastructure. Investing now in these sustainability office positions is investing in people who will help you who will help guide the City of Lawrence in the future as you fulfill your co commitment to the principles of the Green New Deal. The budget must take into account sustainability and mitigating climate change. In this form, it does not. That needs to change. Thank you to the City Commissioners and City staff for all of your tireless work and thank you for your time. Is there anyone else who wants to provide comment on this item? Okay. I'm sorry, what did you say? Did you want to provide comment on this item? Okay. Yes, I did. Um, okay. I need to give my name and address, right? Your name is. Okay. All right. Hi, my name is Mark Velos. Um, so dear city commissioners and city manager, I'm here today with other constituents to raise my concerns about the lack of funding in the budget for environmental for the strategic plans commitment to environmental sustainability and our sustainability office who make sure that this commitment and the five sustainability principles are a part of everything we do in the city. If we want to continue to lead the way in climate change mitigation within the state and show up for our commitment to environmental sustainability, then that starts with swiftly funding the sustainability office with more than one staff member to do this work. 
work. Because to be honest, one staff member is not enough to aggressively tackle this commitment. You have the power here today to help Lawrence become a true, low carbon, resilient, and sustainable community. Secondly, I have a question to ask the commission. In March of last year, the city adopted an ordinance establishing a goal of 100% clean renewable energy. And within the strategic plan, one of the outlined strategies and strong welcoming neighborhoods is to identify energy efficiency opportunities for residential, industrial, and commercial buildings. So with both these initiatives considered, is it possible for us to direct more funding towards education of businesses and large energy users to encourage them to switch over to more renewable options? I know if we funded the sustainability office with more than one staff member, they could actually hire someone to do this type of work. Thank you for your time, commissioners. I'm going to take my mask off. So my name is Makakwa Abigail Jones. I chair the Sustainability Advisory Board. Um, the Sustainability Advisory Board is the one who puts forth the principles of the Green New Deal, the sustainability principles. Um, we, uh, you know, advise the City Commission to adopt the Renewable Energy Goal by 2035. Um, and I, I do want to acknowledge the City Commission's work, past work, on achieving and working towards sustainability principles in Lawrence. I mean, this has been going on since the 90s with the Climate Action Plan, the Greenhouse Gas Task, Greenhouse Gas Emissions Task Force. Um, you know, in 2016, Lawrence received a four-star rating for national excellence and sustainability. The City Commission recently funded $100,000 to update the Climate Action and Adaptation Plan, which created a climate change subcommittee for the Sustainability Advisory Board. Um, we are pushing for community engagement um, in the process of updating this climate action plan. We have adopted the city commission and the city of Lawrence has adopted the principles of the Green New Deal. And these are principles that are guiding us. We advise the city commission to incorporate the uh, principles of the Green New Deal, principles of sustainability into the strategic plan for the city of Lawrence. The strategic plan states that it has measurable goals. However, those are not outlined in the strategic plan. This is why the sustainability advisory board is advocating for a larger staff for the sustainability office. We need to have those measurable goals in the strategic plan. We need to have the staff with technical knowledge to advise infrastructure, to advise um, economic development, to advise what the strategic plan as it is put into implementation. Right now, there is not staff to do that. It's not uh, it does not have the capacity that it needs to to meet these measurable goals for the strategic plan to be implemented. The Sustainability Advisory Board wants to see actionable items and wants to be able to advise actionable items for the strategic plan to be implemented. But however, we have a one staff person for the sustainability office in the budget. It only talks about funding for a sustainability analyst. And right now that is not going to meet the goals of the strategic plan for sustainability. It's not, there is not the capacity there. So the Sustainability Advisory Board wants to see more staff 
permanently funded for the sustainability office. We need that staff to advise the city commission, to advise the city manager in achieving our goals. When we talk about sustainability, when we talk about climate change, this is not just about the environment. This is about our health, our city's health. This is about our safety, um, you know, flood control for our streets, driving to work in, in flooded streets, he, he, extreme heat. You know, we have a homeless population and they end up in the hospital because of uh, heat stroke or heat exhaustion, extreme cold temperatures. And it's it's uh, putting stress on our resources, having to house people so that they do not freeze to death. Um, being put, you know, going to jail, committing crimes just to have a place to sleep. I mean, it affects everything. There's studies that show crime increases during extreme weather temperatures. So it's a safety issue. So we have in the budget to um, to fund our police, to upgrade our technology, to um, address the homeless population in Lawrence. But all of this needs to be sustainably guided. And that's why we need the staff to do it, the technical expertise to advise the city manager to be a part of this every step of the way and to actively put forth the goals that you guys voted on that we want to see the city of lawrence be a leader in kansas for sustainability goals we want to be prepared for climate change in the city of lawrence and that is something that i hope you hear tonight is we as a community want to address climate change issues and we start doing that by employing people in the city of lawrence to advise every step of the way, the strategic plan. Thank you. Okay. Hi, my name is Kate Beer, and I'm here today to raise concerns about the lack of funding in the 2022 budget for the sustainability office environmental sustainability in the five sustainability principles adopted earlier this year i know in this budget there's only a recommendation of funding for one additional sustainability office staff member i don't think that's enough i'm worried our city is going to fall behind in comparison to cities like fort collins colorado columbia missouri in terms of how we are funding sustainability with the currently proposed budget if you are committed to showing up for the five principles like you said you were and upholding your commitments to the environmental civility excuse me with the strategic plan that we need to fund a strong group of staff in this sustainability office at least five to seven members maybe more we know that climate change cannot be addressed on just one scale it will require greenhouse gas emission reduction along with adaption of the climate change impacts here at the local level along with the federal level but we continue to we can continue to do our part to make sustainability community and lawrence much more of a priority thanks Hello, my name is Jacob Wineland, and I was, I'm a fairly new resident of Lawrence, Kansas. I moved here from Manhattan, and there are a number of reasons why I moved. Uh, but one of the biggest ones was Lawrence's progressive um, reputation. 
And one of those, uh, one of the instances today uh, that would relate to that progressive reputation would be those five promises of the Green New Deal being uh, adopted. But as a constituent, I have yet to see any action, and especially in this budget, any any description of any action that would adhere to those promises. And as a constituent, I almost feel lied to and or failed, and that's rather harsh language, but it's just true at this point. We need action at this point, and we need the funding for that appropriate action. Thank you for your time and have a wonderful day. Hello, my name is Taylor Hodge. Um, I grew up in Lawrence, Kansas. I've spent the last five years in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I'm evacuating Hurricane Ida. I'm here to warn you about the crisis we are facing and the devastation that will come. Um, Lawrence and the state of Kansas will face um, climate impacts, including extreme drought, um, severe flooding, um, as well as heat and other, other horrible impacts. We know that our most vulnerable populations will be hit first. Lawrence has always um, hit its inaction behind this this veil of being progressive, um, of, of being, you know, a liberal oasis um, in the state of Kansas. And if you want that to be true, then you need to start acting like it. Um, you have to be funding your sustainability committee and your sustainability department um, to the full extent possible. Um, your current funding and your proposals are simply unacceptable. Um, and the inadequacies of those proposals, um, people will pay for that with their lives. I want to say that if Lawrence is not leading the state of Kansas on climate, then who will? Thank you. Hi, uh, I'm Maddie Bell. So uh, we've been talking about the principles of the Green New Deal a lot, and I just wanted to repeat them for everyone. They are one, achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions through a fair and just transition for all communities and workers. Two, create jobs with livable wages to ensure prosperity and economic security for all people. Three, invest in the infrastructure and industry to sustainably meet the challenges of the 21st century. Four, secure all people for generations to come, clean air and water, climate and community resiliency, healthy food, access to nature, and a sustainable environment. And five, promote justice and equity by stopping current, preventing future, and repairing historic oppression of historically oppressed groups. Now, I will say, the homelessness initiative is a great way like it's a great start homelessness is tied to climate change and climate justice Home victims of homelessness experience it first and foremost because they're always outside or they're in insufficient shelter 
February's cold is, you know, is a great example of that. It wasn't just Texas that was affected. We got it hit too. And then extreme heat after that, that's climate change. Climate change isn't a problem of just the future. It's here, it's now. And I really urge that the city commission to put the, your, the money where your mouth is. In the past, Sunrise has shown up. You've said, great, you know, keep us accountable. Well, we shouldn't have to keep you accountable. You should be hiring people to do this work. We are volunteers. We're not paid. We're basically begging you for our lives because we're going to have to deal with climate change. So, yeah, please fund the sustainability sustainability office, hire more people. I don't get why you're adding $2 million to the police budget when you could be using that to save lives. <sighs> this is really frustrating. We've come to you before and the, t the clock is ticking. Time is up. Please just freaking do something about it because like we're going to die. Climate change is deadly. People are dying from it. And that's it. Thanks. Good evening. My name is Agustina Carvalho Vasquez. I'm a member of Sunrise Movement and a Latina community member too, here in Lawrence. I am here to express my concern about the absence of financing for the Sustainability Office to tackle the strategic plan for environmental sustainability and the five Green New Deal principles established early this year in the 2022 budget. Lawrence has been my home since 2019, when I left Paraguay. Ever since, I have seen, I have seen my home country suffer unimaginable consequences of climate change. Last week, for example, for the second time this year, destructive wildfires caused by unbearably high temperatures have caused the air quality to be so low that it was no longer healthy for humans to breathe. I had to watch the skies turn orange, the air turn into smoke, and the cheerful loud streets turn into silent as citizens had to lock themselves into their homes because the outside was no longer safe for them. I love Lawrence, and I'm confident that everyone here today committing their time and efforts to improve it loves this city as well. Hence, I ask that measures be taken before it is too late, before I have to see my home get destroyed again, and before any Lawrence citizen has to experience that. Climate change is not being treated as seriously as local authorities should. Like they say back in Paraguay, primero lo primero, fair was first. Nothing but absolutely nothing else matters if citizens of Lawrence cannot breathe the air, if we do not have access to clean water, and if our beautiful lands turn into waste. Environmental health and climate change are the most pressing issues of our time, and Lawrence is not an exception. Environmental protection should be a priority for every single city, and currently, an increase in funding and better staff support is the very minimum that should be done to address the problem. It is a matter of priorities, and the only wise option for authorities here is to put climate first. Gracias. Hello, my name is Santiago Vasquez. Um, I just wanted to also throw in my support with the Sunrise Movement. Heard about what they were doing out here and, and uh, wanted to come support. Um, I'm glad to know that the city has uh, voted to uh, follow through with some of the some of the tenets of the Green New Deal. 
Um, I don't want to reiterate, you know, what's at stake um, and why that happened, because I'm sure that because you voted for it, you're all well aware of what the stakes are, of what we're trying to do, of what you're trying to do. Um, but there is a difference between saying that you're going to do something, saying that you support a movement or saying that you want to be progressive um, and actually doing those things. Um, and what you're showing us right now is that you're not following through, right? These, uh, you know, saying and voting for the Green New Deal and saying that you're supporting for it is no more than an empty platitude if you're not going to actually follow through with the substantive and structural steps to see it through. You know, only having one new staff person and not having clear outlines with clear goals um, is not the way to move forward. And I'm sure that you all understand how to set up a board. I'm sure that you've all had experience working in this city on how to create an effect effective policy. Um, we expect to see that. We expect to see that you follow through with your promises because Lawrence has the capability to be a lot more than what it is now. It has the capability to provide the things that you are saying that you want to provide for us. But you have to show us that you're willing to do that. Um, and that's really all I wanted to say. I hope uh, that you all figure that out um, and do it relatively soon. Is there anyone else that wants to speak to this item? Hello. Uh, my name is Christina Haswood. I wear many hats in this community, in our beautiful community. Um, but today I want to come to you as a private citizen a member of the indigenous community, um, lifelong Lawrence Kansan, and to express my concerns on the sustainability and climate action plan for the city of Lawrence. Lawrence is a leader in sustainability, but yet we need to continue to strive forward. We need to invest in our future. We need to invest in what is at stake and what's coming down the river. There's a lot of great things that we do, but keeping accountability of our elected officials is one most important. Fully funding the sustainability department needs to be of a top priority. We need to strive more toward these goals. As we know, um, I'm a public health professional and our whole thing in our field is prevention, but climate crisis is happening now. We don't have time for prevention. We need time for action. So I'm asking to prioritize our climate action plan, not only for the well-being of Mother Earth, but for our community, for our people. And when that doesn't happen, a lot of times us BIPOC communities, minorities, and working class have to endure the short end of the straw on that. Thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to speak to this item? Is anyone else speaking? Working class have to endure the short end of the strong Thank you. Hi, my name is Rosebell. Hi, my name is Rosebell Garza, and I'm just here to uh, add my voice to the growing list of concerned voices about climate change in the present and in future. 
and I urge you to prioritize the Lawrence Climate Action Plan. Our community deserves access to fresh and healthy food, clean water, and good air. You promised this to us when you committed to principle four of the Green New Deal, and I ask that you fulfill this promise. Thank you. Mayor, I believe that's all the comment uh, here in the, at City Hall. Mayor Finkel, I thank you. We'll go ahead and go to the online folks. And if anyone else um, is present and wants to speak, we can go back to that. But let's go to the online folks. Please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature. And um, Sherry will call upon you as you appear on her screen. You'll have three minutes. Thank you. Um, before we, uh, Sherry Reedman, City Clerk, before I do that, I just want to be clear that if you have spoken on this item, though you would not be allowed to speak again, that would be anyone that hasn't spoken on it. Chris Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and I was at the the climate, climate rally earlier, and I just have a, a handout I'd like to read what it says. It says, um, my name is Chris Flowers, and I urge you to prioritize the Lawrence Climate Action Plan in the 2022 budget. Livable wages help the people in our community pay rent and afford food and live easier lives. And as a representative of our community, we need you to stick to your word and provide us with principle two of the Green New Deal. And I just thought that was really interesting because I grabbed this and I didn't even know what this part said, but it lines up with what I've been asking for before. And that is that we pay everyone that works for the city at least like a livable wage per hour because last I checked, I'm, I, it's been like a month or so since... I last looked, but I think there were jobs starting off like at 10 or 11 an hour, and that's not livable here in Lawrence. And so we need to, to start paying everyone at least a livable wage per hour. And we can do that by um, not giving out some of the raises or not giving as big of a raise to the people, to our top earners. And I would just, I do have a question is, have we committed anything to having to have we committed to a competitive wages for our employees because it sounds like to me we have committed to principle two which is create jobs with livable wages and if we're talking about livable wages we need to start with our priorities and that priority would be making sure all our employees are making a livable wage per hour before we start giving out raises to some of the the top earners unless we have prioritized competitive pay like to be competitive with Kansas City but I don't know I don't remember us doing that so that's just something I like to point out and and I would just I I had support adding some more positions also for the sustainability I mean some of these other jobs we've added this past year I'm not sure we should have so if if it's a question of how do we have funds, maybe look at some of the other jobs we're funding because I think adding at least a couple more is sustainability. I don't think it's that bad. And I, I think we could make cuts somewhere else. So, I mean, it's a tough thing to do, but we do need to keep to our priorities and especially pr principle number two, the Green New Deal, create jobs with livable wages. Thank you. 
Marlo Angel. Hi, thank you. My name is Marlo Angel. I'm with the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission. I'd like you for a moment to imagine Lawrence without its wonderful downtown sculptures, without public recognition of its artists, and without our public grant programs to help bring us together. Well, that was what it was like in 2020, and here we are in August of 2021, and unable to administer much love programs by the Cultural Arts Commission, like our Community Arts Grants and our Phoenix Awards, because we have a lack of stable funds. When I accepted my appointment to the Cultural Arts Commission in 2019, our funding at that time came through the city's general fund. Later that year, in order to balance the budget from a deficit in Parks and Rec, our funding sources moved outside of the general fund and into the transient guest tax fund, which is unstable and it's completely dependent on hotel revenue. I raise a red flag on this change right away and have since voiced my concern on this issue at nearly every meeting we've had since the decision was made. Why was this move so problematic, you might ask? Well, to begin with, the Transient Guest Fund has its own grant program, which is a vital program that funds events that brings in outside visitors, like the Free State Festival. And when the LCAC's funding moved into that tax fund, the TGT grant was reduced by $30,000 to make that move possible. This was a direct hit to those tourist-driven events. As we all know, when COVID-19 hit, the amount of money flowing from hotel revenue into the grant program all but dried up. And here we are today with a lack of revenue for arts and culture. I strongly believe the mission of the Cultural Arts Commission should not be tied to tourism dollars. Although the city's cultural initiatives often intersect with outside visitors staying in hotels, it should also be recognized that the arts are uniquely valuable to the internal economy of our city, its livability, mental health and wellness, capacity for attracting businesses to relocate here and stay in Lawrence, our residents. The city recently engaged an outside, an outside consultant, Ernst & Young, to assist in developing a community-wide economic development strategic plan. And at the very top of their list, the city's economic assets and priorities was arts and culture. The consultant suggested a goal of creating, and I quote, policies, programs, and partnerships that enhance the character and culture of the community, and to create programs that recover, sustain, and grow the arts and the entertainment community in Lawrence both during and after the pandemic. But here we are today, the second year in a row, um, unable to deliver those promises because our funding stream is tied to hotel stays. Without this revenue, we've gone two years without the LCAC's much needing, needed community art grant program, um, a program whose mission is not tied to tourism, but is tied towards supporting arts organizations and cultural opportunities for our residents. We've been unable to fund the Phoenix Awards to honor our local artists or to pay our artists to design those awards. The time is now to deliver on the programs and help rebuild our arts and culture scene and bring jobs and economic opportunities to our city. I encourage the commission to look towards other cities like Cincinnati as a model for public arts spending. Out of their city's Hi. American Rescue Plan, they directed $11 million of those funds toward revitalizing their arts community, including their Blink Arts Festival. And I think it's really indicative that in all of our marketing materials for our unmistakable identity, there's images of the Free State Festival, Busker Festival, and all of these amazing events that make us so special. So in short, I just encourage you to take the LCAC's funding out of the transient guest tax fund, uh, where it will likely be impacted by the pandemic for years to come, and back into the general fund with an increased budget for recovery of arts and culture. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Simon Williams. Hi, my name is Simon Williams, and I'm a member of the Sunrise Movement here today. 
In terms of our funds for sustainability, Lawrence is already falling behind comparison cities such as Fort Collins, Colorado, and Columbia, Missouri. With the current budget, we would be put even further behind the curve. Earlier in 2021, the city of Lawrence adopted the five principles of the Green New Deal, and the 2022 budget must uphold its commitments to those and environmental sustainability as a whole. This looks like, but is not limited to changing the budget to put direct funds into the sustainability office, which currently does not have the capacity or proper staff levels to support a cultural shift in the climate change realm. I know that I am not alone in saying that this needs to be adjusted. Thank you so much. Michael Allman. Hi, good evening. My name is Michael Allman. I'm speaking for the Sustainability Action Network. Uh, we are asking you to realign this budget to address the climate emergency. Whether or not you declare a climate emergency, there is one. How many Category 4 hurricanes must destroy New Orleans or other coastal cities before the climate emergency is acknowledged? Declaration or not, it's admirable that the, committee, that the commission has adopted 100% renewable energy goals. However, to be commensurate with the climate emergency, the rate of goal implementation must increase dramatically. The necessary but slow-paced improvements by way of City of Lawrence building upgrades, building code refinements, and stopping urban sprawl are all too slow. Rapid response is in the transportation sector. Transportation accounts for 28% of total U.S. energy use and 29% of climate emissions, the largest of all sectors. Single occupancy vehicles account for 79% of that total. The commission can make for rapid uh, drop in our emissions through two budget adjustments. First, the 0.82 share of the Lawrence Transportation Funding for Bicycle Pedestrian Projects should be increased by 10% per year, per year to reach parity with motor vehicle funding, which now claims 75% of transportation funding. This 10% would be applied to the bike ped improvement line item and the neighborhood traffic management line item. Also, if Lawrence expects KU to contribute funds for the Atchison Creek Trail, the city will have to commit earnest money to line item RR220006. Likewise, if we want 80% of KDOT funding for the South Iowa cycle track, the commission will need to earmark 20% to line item RR220004. Secondly, while making no change to the budget, you can phase out some fossil fuels by electrifying line item vehicle purchases. Dollars are already committed for five police cars, three street sweepers, and numerous service vans and job trucks for which electric models now exist. I want to share my screen. Can you see that? That of the... Uh... Yes, we can, Michael. You can't see that. Okay, yes. good. Uh, there are five police cruisers already funded in the 2022 to 26 budget. You have a choice to save some 
21,000 on each of them by buying Teslas as shown by this Indiana community's cost analysis. The bottom line there shows you at least $21,000 they say over. Um, the same principle applies to the street sweepers and the many service vans. So uh, that's basically something you can do right now. It's purely a budgetary decision. It's one that would be responsible for the taxpayers. Here are the street sweepers and the vans and the job trucks. So thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Melinda Lavon. Hi, yes, thank you. Um, I appreciate everyone's focus on the environment tonight, but I wanna talk about housing and the housing initiatives in the budget. Um, among other things, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what's going on in the Jayhawk Mobile Home Park right now. There are about 52 units or so. It's under new ownership from out-of-state uh, landlords. And they've done things like try to issue illegal evictions. Um, and some of us have been uh, in the park visiting, knocking on doors, canvassing, making sure that renters know their rights. Um, and helping people fill out applications for Kira and explaining how legal evictions actually work. Um, you can't actually knock on the door and tell someone to leave. Um, you have to go through the process, but the, the new owners are, are not necessarily doing that. And that's very, very concerning to me. Um, I also wanna point out that on September 3rd, this Friday, there are three eviction court dates. Um, I don't think that they'll win. So that's several families that'll be put on the streets on Monday. Uh, and then there are 14 more first eviction hearings just for this Friday. And if you look at the court docket system, the eviction hearings, um, they're full right up through mid-October. And since the end of the moratorium, I expect it to get much, much worse. Um, you know, Lisa, you talk about the 3.4 million that's been spent on homelessness. I have spent a lot of time reading the budget. I do understand it. I appreciate the help I've received from Brad Carr and some other uh, city workers to help me understand, but um, I don't really see the results in the community. We have several hundred completely unhoused people and we have hundreds of families that are facing eviction right now. There are actually many people that have a section eight voucher and they can't find a landlord that will rent to them. Some of the things that city commission can do that doesn't cost the city more money is pay more attention and better regulate your licensed landlords. You can ban income discrimination. You can require section eight participation. You can require property owners to rent a certain percentage of their units to certain types of, of renters. Um, and take a more forced compliance when it comes to housing safety. No one should live with a toilet that's not hooked up or a bathtub that's going through the floor or a breaker box that's just on the floor of a child's bedroom. The condition of some of the housing units in this town is appalling and dangerous. Um, and, I, and I just don't know if you really understand the scope of the problem. I understand that's about the end of my three minutes, but the, the money that you know, you've proposed for all of the housing initiatives, I think you're going to find that it's just not even near enough. Um, but I thank you. But I do support Craig uh, and his proposal for the uh, homeless initiative coordinator and the two homeless project specialists. Thank you. 
Daniel Mantilla. Uh, that's Mantilla. Thank you. Um, I'm here to echo the uh, climate concerns that you've been hearing today. And so I think you've heard them a lot and hopefully you get the point by now. But I also want to um, echo what Michael said. I like that a lot. Um, not just electric buses, but electric trucks, uh, street sweepers, all those things. And because all those things, they just drive around the city and stop all the time. And that's exactly what electric vehicles are perfect at, at doing. So that'll even save us money, I think. So um, another thing we can do is declare a climate emergency. Because uh, right now, as I'm speaking, there's an army of firefighters defending the city of South Tahoe in California. There is flash flooding going on from the Gulf Coast to Cape Cod because of Hurricane Ida, which was strengthened due to the extremely warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Um, another thing we can do is we can ban new gas appliances in all new homes and buildings being built right now. That's a low hanging fruit. Uh, rooftop solar incentives, EV charging stations, and more home efficiency programs would all be great. So uh, just want to say thank you and hopefully, uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but uh, thank you and have a great day guys. Is there anyone else um, on Zoom that would like to comment on this item? Mayor, I believe that's all the public comment. Mayor Finkelai, Andy Pitts, did you want to say anything? I couldn't. Yes, Mayor, I do. Okay, go ahead. You have three minutes. Thank you, sir. Good evening, and thank you, Mayor, and the commissioners for allowing me this opportunity to speak this evening. Uh, my name is Andy Pitts, and I'm the chair of the Board of Directors for the Boys and Girls Club here in Lawrence. I come to you this evening to express our concern for some of the specific areas in the current budget proposal before the commission. Specifically, we are concerned that the city will no longer allocate dollars from the general fund and alcohol tax fund to outside agencies. This decision will cause a serious problem for many of our support agencies and specifically the Boys and Girls Club. We have been a strong partner with the city and with other agencies providing a safe place for our kids, especially the who need us most to reach their full potential as productive, caring and responsible citizens. We've been fortunate to be the recipients of some of the COVID funding of this last year, which has significantly allowed us to continue our programming while our program revenue dollars have gone down. We completely understand and absolutely support the city's decision to align your funding with the strategic plan. And we are certain that the Boys and Girls Club will provide services to the community that align directly with your city's strategic goals. Because we only have a short period of time, I'll save you all the details, but the club offers affordable childcare to many families, which allows citizens to remain gainfully employed, participating in our local economy and remain housed. The Boys and Girls Club provides prevention programs to at-risk youth to set them up to make them healthy decisions as future citizens of our community. And the Boys and Girls Club relies on this funding from the city to provide these services. We ask that you consider these consequences of the lack of funding 
that could have in supporting these agencies, is such as the Boys and Girls Club, to be able to provide a break from the cycle of poverty in Lawrence. Thank you. Mayor Finkeldeye, um, you don't see anyone else, do you? There's no one else here and uh, in the room that hasn't provided comment. And um, from what we can see, no one has raised their hand to provide comment. Mayor Finkeldeye, thank you, Sherry. I will bring it back to the commission for questions and, and comments. We had um, a lot of uh, comments. I, I, I wrote down a couple questions. You guys can help me for other ones I missed. Some of them, of course, have implied questions. But um, Victor did have a question very early on about in the budget, what do we do to reduce combustibles in the landfill? And I don't know if someone from MSO or otherwise could talk a little bit about the budget for reducing combustibles in the landfill. Uh, Mayor Dave Wagner, director for the uh, municipal services and operations. I may, I may hand that response off to Trevor uh, Flynn, who's also on the call, but uh, I would mention, I think we have a, um, we have an existing program obviously of, of yard waste to try to intercept some of that material that might otherwise go to the landfill that's been in place for a long time. And, and I'm not familiar with how long that's been in there, but we've been doing it for a long time. So we've been working on that. But I also kind of wanted to point out, I think that the uh, landfill in the last few years has also uh, adapted a, a process to do uh, biogas uh, recovery at that site as well. So there's a, a, a renewable resource in there where if we do put compost compostables, I guess is the right way to put it, um, into the landfill, there's an opportunity to re to utilize that in biogas generation, and they have that process in place now. So I, I think that's important to understand when it comes to that specific question. Um, if Trevor has something else to add about that, I'd, I'd leave it at that. Uh, good evening. This is uh, Trevor Flynn, Assistant Director of MSO. Uh, on the combustible side, I know when we when we were during the pandemic, we closed our household hazardous waste for a month or two, and we do see uh, impacts with our trash collection service. We saw um, we get fires in, in the, the the solid waste trucks if the lithium batteries thrown away. So, so we've we've learned lessons there. We we have that facility uh, operating three days a week uh, by appointment. So, and we're we're really pushing education on there. Um, the biggest thing is to keep. Uh, those recyclables, uh, lithium batteries, things that do combust um, in, in the trash and at the landfills out of there. Um, so the city runs that HHW facility with the county um, in terms of the, the, the compost, you know, that the yard waste collection is available every every week and um, when the compost facility is open on Saturdays. Um, so that's really all I'll add to that. Um, Mayor, I'd, I'd like to add one thing. I think um, we're, we're getting a little bit crosswise with combustibles and um, materials that can be biologically degraded. So, um, <laughs> but I think we covered both questions, uh, <laughs> irregardless of which way you want to look at that. You don't get to, I'm sorry, you want yep. to get the minutes. There's the public, the public comment is over. Vice Mayor Shipley? Yeah, I hate to belabor this question, but I do have a compostable compostable question. 
I have noticed, and I wouldn't bring it up if y'all didn't bring it up already, but I have noticed that a number of restaurants in an effort to use um, more environmentally friendly packaging for carryout have compostable containers and they look a lot like cardboard. And I have myself been confused whether I should compost it or recycle it like cardboard. Um, Dave Wagner, Director for Municipal uh, Services and Operations. Uh, Commissioner Shipley, I I think that raises a good question. I don't have an answer for that. Obviously, we're confusing a couple of things already, um, but that'll add a third to that. But I do think it's a good question for us to how do we delineate that and how do we improve it? And uh, um, I think everybody recognizes and I know the staff recognizes we've got a lot of effort to do when it comes to climate change initiatives in all sectors. There's no doubt about it. Um, some of us have been about that, uh, going about that for uh, 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 about four decades now. But um, anyway, we, we've been working at it and, and still have a lot to do. And probably uh, if we look, wind the clock back, we obviously wish we would have done more um, as a society. But now I start to, to divert. But I'll leave it at that. Mayor Finkelai, um, another question, a couple of people at the beginning, I'm not sure, Jeremy, if this is for you or Danielle or someone. Can you talk about the the website and the transparency and the and the what what we might do going forward on the on the budget um, budget document and the budget page? Uh, Jeremy Willis, Director of Finance. Uh, sure. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about as I uh, heard those comments was that perhaps we could uh, develop some videos to uh, help people understand um, the the different variations of how they can view the data in OpenGov um, when you don't deal with it day in and day out like Danielle and I do. Um, I certainly understand that it can be uh, overwhelming and a little bit confusing. So. Um, we tried to address some of that with the different views, the different types of reports that we preloaded into the system. So that it's just a point click uh, to get to the information you want. But um, certainly when you're trying to drill down onto uh, a specific data set, um, making sure you understand what the filters do and, and how best to approach that. So uh, that's something that uh, we'll definitely look into. Mayor Finkelheiser, possibly some tutorials, and took me a while to figure out how to use it too. So I don't fault anyone for um, being confused and, and taking time. But yeah, we do need to try to make that a little easier going forward for people to understand how to use it and and um, get some help on that. So, Mayor Vice Mayor Shipley, if you don't mind, I might if Daniel's there. Um, there were a lot of things I was able to find last year that I wasn't able to find this year. And it seemed like this was kind of two different um, issues, which was um, the attempt to align all the departments, um, putting things where in, in theory, in the long run, we could find them better. But right now things not falling quite in the categories that we might imagine versus, and I do agree, 
the open.gov is not easy for me either. And I, I, I also hope we can um, think of some ways to make it far more accessible than it is. But um, if Daniel might comment on, I think there might be kind of two complicating, maybe a different complicating issue this year. Uh, Daniel Bushcutter, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. Um, yes, I think the short answer is we can kind of get some tutorials to kind of help. I think uh, Commissioner Shipley, to your point, um, one of the changes we made with OpenGov this year is uh, really to try to help um, in that opera operationalization. I didn't quite say that right of the strategic plan. Opera, yeah, uh, working towards the strategic plan and getting that um, operational um, and showing that in um, OpenGov. And so you're right, we did have to paint with a pretty broad brushstroke with that because our chart of accounts is not structured um, to align with our strategic plan. Um, and so we did have to make some assumptions in terms of um, how we categorize different departments and different divisions to kind of get them to, to most closely align with one of those outcome areas. Um, one of the other things that we did um, to hopefully in the future help um, with our reporting and, and transparency and some of those other things is um, consolidate some of our line items. So um, in we had an, a number of line items that weren't um, utilized in the same way across the entire organization. And so one of the things um, more on kind of the technical side of things um, was to consolidate some of those um, line items so that we have fewer categories that are a lot easier for us as staff to um, comply with across the entire organization. And so um, I know there were some questions that kind of came up about why did this go to zero? Um, and you'll kind of see that increase. Um, usually in the same category, we kind of have those subcategories within professional within um, personnel and contractuals and commodities and those sorts of things. So typically it stayed within um, those higher, those kind of next level down uh, layers of detail. But when you do get down to that line item level, um, there are some of those examples where things went to zero um, due to some of that um, kind of technical consolidation on our end, just to make sure that um, as we continue to report out actuals and things like that, we get a little bit better data for you all. Um, at that at that level. So I think those are a couple of the things that um, maybe were experienced when uh, trying to get into the system, but um, certainly we can do a much better job in terms of providing some tutorials and how-to guides um, to kind of navigate that system so that it's a little bit easier for um, folks that are interested in, in learning more about our budget and to be able to do that, because ultimately that's the uh, entire point and purpose of having OpenGov um, available to the public is so that those that are interested can really dig into the, the detail and the data um, as much as they want. So we can make improvements there. Mayor Finkelai, thank you. I don't know if others want to jump in with some questions. I'm looking at my notes here. I know there's a lot of other questions, but. Yeah, this is Commissioner Larson. Um, this is Lisa. Yeah, I would like to um, see if Jasmine Moore is on the, is on the um, video. Is she on the, in the meeting tonight? Okay, can you hear me now? There we go. There we go. Hey, Jasmine. Yeah, I was wondering, we had quite a few commenters tonight regarding the sustainability program, and I was hoping that you could give us an update on our climate action plan, as well as our energy goals, where we're at with those and where we're going forward with those. And then also the um, sustainability principles that we voted on this last February, kind of what the status is of that and how your department's handling those and, and whether or not you feel as though that we can make, accomplish what we've set out to do. 
Thanks, Commissioner Larson. Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director for the City of Lawrence in Douglas County. Um, so first, I just wanted to uh, set the stage related to the staffing of our office currently. We are a joint city and county funded office. Um, we have a director position, which is myself, which is full-time, and we have a full-time um, food system and sustainability analyst, uh, which is currently funded uh, solely through the county. Um, we have a part-time intern and we have a um, short-term grant funded position currently that will um, expire next year. Uh, in terms of uh, our climate action plan, um, this is something that has been in the works for a while and uh, we intended to launch this process last year, but because of COVID, uh, we slowed things down. Um, we are in the process of uh, launching this right now. Um, and actually, this week was supposed to be our soft launch, but I think it's a little bit, uh, it's not as soft anymore. Um, but if you go to lawrenceks.org slash climate, you'll see our uh, project website. Um, as soon as next week, we will have our first uh, community survey where people can get involved and tell us what they think uh, is important to for us to prioritize within the work of our climate plan, but also um, getting feedback from folks about how climate is already impacting their lives um, because we know that it, it, it is already. So uh, please look for that and there will be more engagement opportunities throughout the course of this fall and winter. Um, I wanted to highlight that we're prioritizing equitable engagement and that's one of the reasons why we delayed um, the launch of our climate efforts last year um, because we had really planned to do a lot of in-person going to people where going to where people are and that was not going to be possible during the um, especially last year during the pandemic so we spent that time um, doing some adjustments and we have made uh, some investments in um, the communities that are impacted most by climate and we will be uh, working with those communities directly uh, and as well as looking at other ways for people to provide feedback to us uh, through this through this process. Um, so that's where we are on the, the climate action plan. I also wanted to add that we're not starting from scratch. Uh, we heard uh, several comments earlier this evening about the work that's already been done in the community and, and has been um, uh, the reasons why Lawrence is looked to as an example for environmental sustainability. Um, we're building on all that past work, as well as uh, there is a regional climate planning effort that was done in partnership with uh, the Kansas City metro area. So a regional uh, strategy was developed um, and we're using that as a base to develop a more locally specific plan um, because we know that you know things that are um, directly applicable to a community in the Kansas City metro area may not work best for, um, for Lawrence or Douglas County. And so that's where our process is really looking to hear from our community and so that we can customize that to, uh, to our community. So that's our climate action plan and where we are on that. Um, as, as it relates to our renewable energy goals, um, we, the, the city commission set those goals um, 
in a couple different ways. Some of them, two of them were specifically for internal operations uh, for city government. Um, the first was for making our electricity sourcing from renewable energy. We've pretty much reached that goal uh, several years, I think four years ahead of schedule uh, because of our partnership, recent partnership with Evergy. So now we're sourcing almost 100% of our energy for municipal buildings from um, a wind farm in, in, in the area. And then the second goal related to uh, internal operations is transitioning the rest of our energy sources to renewable energy. And so that involves heating and cooling of buildings as well as transportation. Um, we are making progress on the transportation side, specifically with our transit fleet. So we've recently um, secured grant funding for electric buses. So it, in a couple of years, we'll have eight electric, all electric buses running in Lawrence through Lawrence Transit. Um, we still have uh, a ways to go as it relates to the rest of our transit fleet, um, but we're starting some conversations about what that transition could look like. Um, the other two goals are citywide um, related to transitioning to 100% renewable electricity sourcing as well as looking at all energy sources citywide by 2035 and getting to that 100% renewable um, sourcing. That's gonna take a lot of work and uh, that will also um, take work, not just of the city itself, but of um, businesses and homeowners and landowners in, in our community. Um, so that's where collaboration and encouragement um, is a role that the city can play. Um, but we cannot, you know, we, we can't um, mandate that, um, you know, your business transition to renewables. But what we could do is provide the information about what that process looks like. Um, so that's where we are in terms of the 100% renewable goals. And then the five guiding sustainability principles that were adopted earlier this year by the city commission. Um, these are things that are intended to influence uh, lots of different city functions, um, not just the work of the sustainability department. Uh, so for the first one related to greenhouse gas emissions, that's directly tied to the one that we just talked about related to renewable energy, um, creating jobs with livable wages. Um, that touches a lot of different functions within the city. Um, for number three, investing in infrastructure, our connected cities uh, outcome area related to the strategic plan, that's where that uh, guiding principle um, has an opportunity to really be embedded in the work of, of that outcome. Uh, number four is related to clean air and water and climate resiliency. That's some of the work that we'll be doing related to the climate action plan, um, as well as, you know, it relates to the, the work that we already are doing related to parks, uh, which talks about healthy food, access to nature and sustainable environment. So again, some of that is uh, that work is will be led by the sustainability office uh, specific to our climate action plan and developing that plan. Um, but it's not that our office will be doing all the implementation of that. 
And then the fifth one is related to promoting justice and equity. Uh, and that is the responsibility of everyone um, within the city. Uh, we have equity as a commitment area. And that's where I feel like that's a really strong connection to that commitment area. Um, so all that to say, the work of integrating these uh, principles into all government functions um, that's going to take some time and some resources, um, but I it shouldn't be hard because um, a lot these five principles are not that far off from what we've already said we we as a community um, value, uh, and they're not far off from the commitments that the strategic plan has already identified. Um, I wanted to add that. The strategic plan itself is a fairly new document, and this is our first go at integrating the strategic plan into budget making decisions. Um, and we haven't quite completely fleshed out the whole strategic plan. So there's still work to be done there. Um, and I'm confident that by this time next year, we'll be even better at uh, tying directly uh, the um, commitments of the strategic plan to the budget. Um, but wanted to, you know, say that we have a, we have staff teams that are working on integrating these concepts into the work and our budget. Um, but we we it's gonna it's gonna take some time. Um, and we're also looking at how we can leverage our existing resources within the city to move these initiatives forward. So um, you know, if if we are not able to uh, add additional sustainability staff, we are going to be looking at how can we leverage the staff that we already have to uh, serve as champions for sustainability internal to the different departments um, and integrate that work into the departments um, that we have. So uh, I will stop there and I'm happy to answer other questions um, as it relates to that. Thank you, Jasmine. This is Commissioner Larson. Mayor Fingal, I would um, maybe just follow up on that last comment. I guess one of my hopes, of course, one of our hopes, our expectations, I think, of the strategic plan and our commitment areas, including environmental sustainability as well as others, is that we incorporate that in everything we do, not isolated within each department. Um, is that work? Ongoing. I mean, obviously, we're just getting started, but maybe give us an update how that's going and how you see that going in the future. It does also look like Dave maybe wants to say something about this as well, but I'll let you start, Jasmine. Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Yes, I 100% agree. That's the intent is to integrate this work into everything that we do from the work of um, our frontline staff to department director to city manager work. Um, I will say that, you know, the, the commitment areas that were identified within the strategic plan, um, some of them we were, we were doing well at even before the strategic plan was adopted. Others are, this is the first time that we are stating that this is a, um, a priority and a commitment of the city. And so I just want to acknowledge that we, those commitment levels are at different levels within the city currently. And sustainability and equity is another one that I'll lift up. Um, those haven't been overtly stated as this is how we do business uh, in the past. 
And so the lift to bring um, um, all staff members along that journey is is a significant one because that culture shift is going to take time and relationship building and and trust. Um, And so that's where, you know, we are at a starting point. And I think we have some really strong policies in place, um, as well as the strategic plan to support this work. And it's going to take some handholding to say, you know, how are we going to put this into practice? And that's, you know, that's, those are the resources that I'm talking about when I'm saying we need resources to, to do the implementation piece. We already have an interdepartmental team that's working on environmental sustainability. Um, and even that team can only do so much. Uh, and so um, I think it's fair to say with all the commitment areas, culture change is going to take take some time and some intentional work. Um, And this is one of those commitment areas where it's going to take some time and intentional work. Um, Mayor and Commissioners, Dave Wagner, Director for the MSO. Uh, I just want to support some of the things Jasmine said, I think, um, and and add a few specifics. I think it's been 59 years since the publication of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. So that'll send some people to the uh, Google site and start to look up what the impact of that novel was. It started at me down the road of seeking, um, being one of the early uh, applicants for an environmental studies degree with KU and Dr. Mant- uh, Martinko, I think in the early phases of the environmental movement. And um, having done enough and got a long way to go, as I kind of mentioned earlier, but I would say that um, under Trevor, we've consolidated the environmental technical staff that used to work in various departments, uh, both within utilities and MSO, to support Jasmine in in the technical aspects of what we need to do on the environmental side. While they're still operational, um, you know, managing the programs and managing the mandates, looking at fat soils in Greece, um, doing all those things that the regulator requires that are very important. Uh, but also taking some initiatives. Um, It wasn't that long ago, the utility department had an environmental management system that was uh, unique in the field. Um, And uh, we sustain a lot of those principles today. Um, Some of the things that are ongoing, and I think I wanna stress the budget does support, I'm not gonna say it's enough, but it does support some of the initiatives that I think the city has laid on, on the table with regards to sustainability. Um, one example is, is that we're working with a couple of entities, including KU and Ducks Unlimited, with source water protection in the Wakarusa Valley to protect the water quality within Clinton Lake. Um, um, those are on the ground, on the boots efforts that we're spending resources on and staff time on to make a difference today. Um, um, and I'm really excited the community has uh, caught fire with what um um, the passion uh, for the environmental movement that some of us started a few uh, four decades ago. Um, anyway, it's exciting. Um, I think we've got a good foundation. I think we've got a long way to go um, to to do what what the city needs to do and the community and society needs to do with climate change. But that said, um, we do have some resources that I think sometimes people forget that we've put into the budget and that we are expending on some of those initiatives. And I know Trevor and 
um, the environmental managers and the environmental technical staff that we have are, are talking to Jasmine. We're talking to the sustainability advisory board probably need some firmer connections, but um, um, in some of those things, but there is a foundation of some resource um, to support what we need to get done in that area. Mayor Finkel, I don't know who this goes to, um, but there was obviously some discussion about electric vehicles besides the buses. I assume nothing in our um, CIP prevents us from looking at electrical ve electric vehicles as we move forward. I guess that's one policy question. And then the second question is, are we looking at that amongst the departments um, going forward? investing in electric vehicles besides the buses. Good evening, Ms. Uh, Mayor Finkelstein, Robert Aaron, MSO Fleet Manager. Um, currently, we are in the final draft phases, phases of uh, an RFP for a proposal to, for a fleet evaluation and the transition moving towards a green fleet. Um, we always are looking at that. Obviously, we have some infrastructure challenges that we have to overcome, uh, facilities, and when it comes to uh, the codes enforcement side of things. So um, we are looking at those. Um, we are evaluating that and we look at that moving forward. So. Commissioner Ars, I had a follow-up question for, for Mr. Aaron on that. So you said you're developing an RFP for, for the possibility of having a green fleet on board. Is that what I understood? Yes, Commissioner. We uh, we we're looking for a third party to kind of review uh, operationally how how we operate and what what would make sense as far as the implementation process moving forward, uh, along with the budgetary concerns and any budget implementation that we can do in a phasing effect that doesn't hit um, the CIP in a in a large way. Uh, Commissioner Larson, again. So, do you do you see that happening this um, coming year, twenty twenty two, where we'll be able to start investing in in that type of a fleet? Uh, uh, Robert Aaron, MSO Fleet Manager. Um, we we'd like to have the RFP out in the next couple months. Obviously, the evaluation process and working with um, awarding the RFP and that process obviously will will take a little time. Um, I don't know that I would commit that the you know, that that process will take through 2022 where we meet our budget deadlines um, for our 23 budget. I can't I can't confirm that. So hope that answers your question. Yeah. Thank you. This is Commissioner Nanda, and I don't know who this would go to, but is there simultaneously dialogue happening around um, implementing charging stations and making those widely available, like when we look at a parking lot or if we're looking at fixing public roads with parking on them and putting those in? I know that it can be expensive because you have to dig in um, to get those hooked up. And if we're working on a road, is there any plan for implementation as we're in that process? Mm 
Nobody wants to answer that. Well, that, that means it goes to me. City Manager Craig Owens. Um, I, I want to maybe uh, clarify what uh, Robert said. Um, this is something I requested a few months ago, and it, we just don't have the the capacity to do the analysis to know where the state of the art is in the market for uh, electric vehicle transition. It's moving very rapidly. Um, the federal fleet is going that direction, but even they will take time to get there. That's going to help us. But what we want to do is we want to bring somebody in that is an expert in this, that has an understanding of how do you transition fleets from one source to another effectively and efficiently and think through the things like you're talking about, uh, Commissioner Ananda, about the, the capacity to charge vehicles. So if we rushed out and bought Teslas, would be be able to charge them and would they do the job that they want and could we convert them other than the police vehicle could we convert all these into the operational use knowing the operations that exist now so we don't have expertise in how you make that transition and that's what robert's uh specking out and it will include it has to include um how do we integrate it into the actual functions of our city services and how does it keep our business needs uh, met and convert into that? That would be, how do you refuel? Um, does it have, do these new vehicles have capacity to do what we do operationally now? Or do we have to modify our operations to meet the vehicle uh, capacity and specifications? And I don't even know the number Robert does of our rolling stock count but they do an amazing variety of things um, from street sweepers to um, uh, small equipment to um, police cars and the ones that you see more readily on the street and all kinds of trucks in hauling uh, capacity and our fire apparatus and, and all those too. So um, we're gonna, that's why this really outstrips our expertise and our understanding. We wanna pull that expertise in during a critical time, I think in our nation's uh, reassessment of um, alternative fuels and how we're going to use vehicles in the future. So yes, we, I think we are, we get the message that we want to do this work, but I'm not sure that um, going about it on our own is going to get us in the right position and give you good information for a, a pretty significant change uh, financially, as well as potentially operationally. I'm sorry, Craig, I, I misunderstood the question. I thought she was talking about other um, infrastructure projects, but the, the RFP, if I could add, I'm sorry, um, MSO fleet manager, Robert Aaron, if I could add that that RFP will also include the risk involved as, as Craig stated. Um, we have some operational risk. Um, obviously some vehicles can support the EV market. Some are technologically challenged at this time, but but there's there's hope that they're moving towards the demand. Um, so that infrastructure conversation as well uh, will happen within that RFP to to include our current facilities and where charging stations could could be supported. Um, obviously, um, as an example, um, charging stations at, at at the city hall garage is is not just putting a charging station in. Unfortunately, when that that structure was built, the service that was put there was not put in a capacity to handle charging stations. So. It, it, it's a continually um, infrastructure conversation as well as the vehicle conversation as well. I, I hope that helps. This is Commissioner Ananda. I think that I kind of conflated the two things as well, the publicly accessible charging stations as well as the capacity to charge our own fleet. Um, I think that, you know, I, 
Um, I think KCPNL worked with JCCC or um, the Edwards campus. You know, there are charging stations available there. And so hopefully we will be looking for partnerships as well in implementing those for the broad general public. But perhaps also there is a way to establish those relationships for our fleet as well. City Manager Craig Owens, yes, those are uh, ongoing conversations we're already having that we've been having for some months. I think I other questions, comments. Yeah, this is Commissioner Larson. I did uh, want to discuss a little bit about, um, I think it was Mr. Pitts who talked about the Boys and Girls Club. He was from the Boys and Girls Club. And he had indicated, I thought, this is what I heard, is that his concern was that we weren't going to do outside funding for social services. I, I think that's what he said. And I just wanted to get a clarification from um, our city manager as to um, what that understanding is, because I had thought that our social service funding is we're basically keeping it at the level it has in previous years, but we're going to go through an RFP process where outside agencies can potentially access that given they meet the RFP requirements. Craig, could you speak on that, please? Sure, City Manager Craig Owens. Um, so what we've done for many years in the past, as my understanding, is we've created a grant program where we set a specific set of money aside and we invited anybody in the community who wanted to provide social services or do something to apply for grants without necessarily defining this is what we are trying to achieve. What we've transitioned to is prioritized on what the community told us it wants through the strategic plan and that we worked hard on developing into a document that's really states what we're in business to do and what we've prioritized. That's where we should be spending all of our resources and energy because that's what our community told us we wanted to do and what the commission set as policy through the strategic planning document. So what we're doing, we're defining what we wanna do and what's important to us and then we will go about as effectively as possible using internal and external resources and volunteer resources, any resources we can get. We're going to align those to what we've said we want to achieve in a measurable way. That's different than we're not defining what we want to achieve. And we invite anybody who would like some of this public money and resources to apply and then we'll make decisions year after year based on that. It is a fundamental change. And um, we have communicated with traditional partners and it has, um, the communication was, we, we've been in partnership with you because we believe in you, you do great important work. As we're transitioning to this, whether we're doing internal staff provision of services or we're inviting experts with special, special uh, capacity, special um, ability, and proven track record at getting results external to staff resources, we, we, will, we want you engaged in that work. So the, the only difference is we've defined these are the outcomes that we want to achieve. And as we go through that process this year and we continue to define things, we are going to take the same amount of resources that we've always had but we're defining up front 
what we want to achieve. And then we will build plans and partnerships to get as much result as we can in all of those key areas. I don't know if that's too generally responsive, but I know it's an important transition and we've tried to communicate with various partner groups to, to help them get with us in that transition. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a judgment of are they doing important work because almost, well, all of the partners that we've traditionally funded continue to do very important work. What we've decided first though, is these are the most important things that we're in business to do. We don't do everything. We obviously don't do everything and we can't possibly be successful at trying to do everything. Uh, there's important other partners in the community. There's federal, state, and county government that are also part of our system. There's not-for-profits, there's private providers um, that are also part of the community resource network to do this work. Uh, there's certainly the public school system is a part, important, important part of us doing our work. There's the healthcare system, the medical system, that's all part of doing pieces of this work. What we're trying to say is we know what we're in business to do, and this is what we're going to try and do, and we're going to need partners to do it but we're not going to try and do more than what we've said is the most important. Mayor Finkeldye, I think kind of related to that, you know, was a question with the cultural arts being funded by the, by the transient guest tax, um, as opposed to the general fund. Um, and I guess kind of a general question, kind of following up with what you were just saying, you know, for things like, I mean, I know cultural arts is in our strategic plan. It's in our economic development plan. Um, as we move forward with this, are we going to be looking to fund certain initiatives? Um, some of that money might come from transit guests in other places, or how do you see that going forward as we, we move to operationalize that? City Manager Craig Owens, uh, Mayor, it's it's almost the exact same answer. Um, not to be coy, but we're we're trying to decide how do we get the most um, the most results. And in the arts, um, while we have some parks and recreation programs, we do do some some of that work. It, it is traditionally funded by a lot of community members and outside groups. And I I can't imagine us not relying on that capacity and continuing that. Um, we, we also, I, I think it's worth, no, worth noting, the earmarked source of funds, um, the special alcohol tax, for instance, and the transit guest tax, they do have definitions of limitations to what they can be spent on. We can't violate any of that, but we do try and, and put those to be targeted to anything that does overlap, and that's where those monies should be allocated and spent first. Um, but I don't think we have the, the clarity yet within our uh, unmistakable identity primarily um, outcome area to say exactly this is where all of these monies are going to be spent. Um, and the pandemic has caused um, a disruption, obviously, in the transient guest tax funding sources uh, that hurts everybody, but is, has definitely uh, made it more confusing and more difficult um, in this past uh, two years. 
Mr. Finkel, I thank you for that. Um, other questions, comments, discussion? Mayor, this is uh, Sherry Reedman, City Clerk. Um, there is an individual who spoke on this item earlier who uh, would like to speak again on this item. Um, Mayor Finkelai, we only let folks speak once. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah, but I comments, questions. I, I didn't have a um, I asked the question, it was partially answered, and the answers that were shown to the public are not sufficient. So I'm just asking an opportunity to speak again. I just need three minutes. Mayor Fingal died. Um, if you have another question, I think that would be, I guess I can allow that, um, quickly. Okay. Get to the Thank question. You. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mayor. Thank you, everyone. So as I asked before, I just wanted to know what was the city's plan and budget to reduce compostables going to the landfill? Um, I, I've been I've been uh, in contact with the city, and I tried to to learn how to do it properly according to the city's regulations. But it appears to me that they don't exist. Um, uh, the website says that there is compostables, but they only take yard waste, and it specifically says the food scraps are not taken. Okay. That means that. Um, I'm not sure where to take food scraps, not just me, but everyone in this city. That means that, that those food scraps are going to the landfill and are contributing to climate change. I think there's something that we could do here, and I'm here to work with the city of Lawrence. I don't want to, I'm not being confrontational, I'm just being concerned about this issue. And I want to inform myself and inform others so we could do the right thing. Mayor Fickle, I thank you for that. And I did misunderstand your previous question. Um, Jasmine, I don't, or maybe Trevor um, could jump in. I know that the county is working on some combustible items too, but maybe Trevor, you could answer that. Yeah, it's Trevor Flynn, Assistant Director with MSO. Um, that's correct. Right now, the, the compost pile currently is not permitted for food waste. And that's a permit we have to get through KD, KDHE. What we are working on right now is a pilot project that they're they're temporarily allowing us to do a pilot project uh, with Just Foods. And so we are running a, a limited amount of food waste on one or two uh, small rows over there in uh, coordination with, with uh, Jasmine's group and, and Kim in the county um, on, a, on a grant that they're working. Um, so, we're, so we're learning from that. We're also working with KDHE to look at uh, what it's going to take to do permit modifications, um, but to do... Uh, um, to expand a service to, you know, full food collections would totally change the dynamics of how the yard waste compost facility works right now. But so we're, we're, we're looking into it. We're kind of doing some research uh, through this pilot project and, and we'll go from there. This is Jasmine Moore, sustainability director. I just wanted to add on that um, we're also um, prioritizing 
food waste reduction in general. And so um, one of the things that that we're doing is partnering with uh, local farms in our community and working with them to to glean the extra food that they have left over in the fields that um, that don't quite make it to market or to the grocery store or to a restaurant and connecting those um, directly that produce directly with um, our food bank, just food, as well as the community shelter and other community partners, um, because we know that food waste is a big part of um, uh, where we can make an impact as it relates to climate um, climate work. So I just wanted to add that additional work that is happening as it relates to food waste reduction. Mayor Finkelday, Jasmine is. I mean, obviously, this is part of your department, but it's a lot of that work through the food policy um, group that works on some of those issues. So this work is uh, directly supporting our food system plan that um, was adopted about almost five years ago. And so food waste reduction was a, um, a, a core component of that, that food system plan um, that was uh, done in partnership with the Food Policy Council, and the Food Policy Council is really um, uh, responsible for moving forward some of the policy recommendations as it comes out of that plan. We have a working group within the Food Policy Council that's specifically working on food waste reduction, and they were very supportive of the grant application that we made in order to um, get a grant-funded position to work specifically on this project. So I referred to earlier that we have a a grant-funded position in our office, and that is what it is. It's our food waste reduction specialist, and so she's been able to um, manage the relationship with Just Food and our compost facility uh, that Trevor mentioned earlier, as well as run the gleaning um, side of things where we're connecting food with um, people who need it. Uh, and so that's been really successful. And, and we've been really fortunate to work with all the partners to make that possible, um, including the Food Policy Council that supported the project. Mayor Fingaldi. So obviously Victor's interested in that. That Would that be the direction we would point him to get more information and and help would be at the Food Policy Council and your office? This is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Yes, uh, he can reach out to our office. Um, you, you can just email sustainability at lawrenceks.org. Um, or if you just Google Lawrence Sustainability, you'll get there. Um, and we can connect you with that, that food waste reduction working group, or if you'd like to learn more about um, our food waste reduction efforts. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that information. And something else I want to add. Um, um, very, quickly, very, very quickly, the, the recyclable containers that some restaurants are providing to customers all over Lawrence are not recycled by the city. I know that because I went to a restaurant and they provided a compostable recyclable container. But once I tried to recycle it, I called the city and they said, we do not take this container. I've seen these containers across several restaurants. So it's, it seems to me that restaurants are spending more money uh, getting these type of containers, which are more expensive, but it's of no use because the city cannot, re- cannot recycle that material. So if, okay. there is a, if, there, if someone can squeeze that in, in their agenda, that would be great. That's something that I wanted to bring in. Thank you for, for your information. Thank you, Victor. Okay, back to the commission. 
Mayor, this is Commissioner Arnold. I can't um, individuals also request, I mean, obviously for folks who are in apartments or other situations without a, a lawn may not be tenable, but um, there are composting um, bins that can be provided through the city. Is that correct? This is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Um, that is something that's been available in the past. Uh, we don't currently have... Um, we're not currently set up to uh, distribute those at this point, but we are planning to to do that as a part of our climate action planning process. And so, hopefully, uh, soon we will we will have the ability to distribute those compost bins again. This is Commissioner Nanda, thank you. I must have been a while ago when I got one. <laughs> Mayor Finkelberg. Okay, Vice Mayor, go ahead. Mayor Shipley, um, this might be a, a little bit for Craig. Um, we uh, are have and are headed in the space of adding some full-time positions, um, but I understand hiring for a number of reasons is going rather slow. Could you discuss that a little bit? Uh, City Manager Craig Owens, yes, thank you. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just make the same statement that I think most major employers in this country right now, certainly in the region, are making is it is very hard to um, to recruit and, um, and keep um, all of our positions full. Um, more so than normal, and in some some instances, it's it's uh, uh, very very difficult. Um, so, uh, some of the positions that were authorized by the commission um, generously uh, seven months ago to get us started on the work, we still remain unfilled um, with uh, heroic efforts of recruitment and. Um, uh, interviews and offers made and offers rejected. And um, really, um, it is a very difficult market, uh, basically across all departments. And I think uh, the Lori's popping on. I do think that, um, you know, we're easily, it's easy to say we have double the vacancies that we would ever expect and normally have uh, that we're recruiting for. Um, and so, yes, it, it makes it it makes these things more difficult. And just having an authorized position is an important step, but it is it doesn't solve the problem until we get um, a, you know a talented individual on our team. Mayor Finkelai Lloyd, did you want to add anything? Or? No, Craig put it quite eloquently, and that's exactly the issues. Just want to let you know I was here. Okay. Mayor Finkelai, questions, comments, motions, direction? This is Commissioner Boley. Um, I'd like to express my appreciation to uh, the folks who came and, and spoke this evening. Um, to the staff that has responded and the commissioners that have asked good questions. And, um, it's been a good meeting and I appreciate the work that's gone into this to this point. Um, this, this is a new deal with the strategic plan guiding our budgeting efforts. And I think it's a very good step to take. And so I'm, I'm very pleased with how these things are working. Thank you.
I think I other comments, Commissioner Nanda. Um, this is Commissioner Nanda. I was um, I was gonna um, definitely reflect what Commissioner Bully said that this has been a long slog, and um, I am very impressed with the work that's being done and the accountability um, that we're being asked to show um, in these in these in this every year. <laughs> but I think especially as we implement a new process, and there are definitely going to be learning curves. And I know the amount of work that went into this was immense. Um, I also just wanted to clarify um, the action that remains is for this evening, if there isn't other direction would just be to adopt the resolution. Is that correct? I think well, that's how I understand it, yes. This is Commissioner Larson. I would just like to add a few words. Um, that I would obviously agree with the other commissioners that this has been an, uh, uh, this has been a tough budget year, I think, um, with the pandemic situation um, ongoing, um, as well as the revenues and the expenditures that we've been looking at for the next couple of years. Um, it, it definitely is um, putting us to task and putting staff to task as to whether or not we're going to be successful at um, implementing the budgets going forward. We've got a big, big um, task ahead of us um, with what's being pro proposed tonight as to whether or not we can make it successful two years down the road. Um, there's going to have, we're going to have to look at it really closely um, and it's going to potentially um, look at the idea of having to really tighten our belts in the future in order to make this continue to work. I think we're making great strides in the three strong areas that we started out with the, um, the housing initiatives, the, and the, um, the market rate funding that we are looking at for our employees, I think those are very important, important and key things that we need to continue to focus on. But we always have to realize that um, this is a risky budget and we've got two years to make this work and, and make um, make it a, a success. And so I think the, the work is just starting and um, we just need to continue to move forward. Thank you. I think I would also echo that appreciate all the work that's gone into this budget. Um, you know, a lot of the, you know, certainly acknowledge some of the, the comments, many of which we received on Lawrence listens about, you know, concerns with taxes, concerns with the utility rates and how we balance that with, you know, operationalizing our strategic plan. And, you know, I certainly feel better um, having that strategic plan and, and, and the priority based budgeting to feel like this is, we know what we want to do and now how do we go and accomplish that? And I appreciate city manager and, and staff working towards a budget that, that can do that, knowing that, that we have work ahead of us. Um, you know, certainly we, we hope that, you know, revenues come back. We hope that we continue to grow and grow our tax base and continue to expand. And we also hope that um, maybe we can get some infrastructure dollars and some other federal money to help along the way. I think there's lots of, um, you know, probably say, I'd say more than hope, but I think there's lots of possibilities that will help us along the way that I continue to know the staff will work on. Um, you know, another one I know that Commissioner Bully and Commissioner Lawson speak a lot about, which is farmland. We have a lot of money in this budget to farmland, but if we can get a little help from the feds with the KDHE, that can make a lot of difference in this budget. So those are things I know staff is working on and will continue to work on, 
you know, going forward. So I think it's a it's a budget that moves us ahead. We certainly could have taken the option of saying it's been a tough year. Let's wait another year before we operationalize our strategic plan. Maybe we back off the strategic plan for a year. But I think this is a commitment to move ahead with the strategic plan. And, and I think that's an important important commitment to make. Um, as, as mentioned, um, another part of that strategic plan it, is that we focus on what um, we want to accomplish. And that might mean some reduction in services, uh, services we've provided in the past. Again, kind of as Craig mentioned, not because they aren't important services, but it's not our core function. And so we'll have the chance over the next two years to evaluate that as well um, going forward. Um, you know, I would also add, you know, to the, the speakers tonight about, you know, sustainability and, you know, if we're doing enough. I mean, I think everyone can agree that when it comes to the environment, it's it's hard to do enough. Um, but I think we are making good progress. I look forward with the to the climate plan. I'm glad we're adding at least one position. And I certainly echo um, the discussion tonight about as a commitment, it's our whole staff, all 888 of our employees um, are committed um to environmental sustainability, and we hope we can leverage that and, and make a difference, not just with staff within sustainability, but with staff um, otherwise. That also, of course, include inclusion and, and diversity and some of our other commitments as well. But, um, but I do recognize what Jasmine said, that this is one area, along with equity and inclusion, that we have the longest to go. And so it's going to be hard work. Um, and so I um, thank the staff in advance for all the work um, that they're doing and hope we can continue to support you in any way we can. So again, I think it's a good budget and I, I look forward to um, moving forward with it as we go. Mr. Commissioner Bowley, I, I appreciate you bringing up farmland because that's a that's concern for the community. And we've got that and some other difficult decisions in front of us as we go forward. What I appreciate about our community strategic plan is it gives us a framework for prioritizing. And also, we're getting good enough financial data that we can actually figure out what the cost of the programs that we're doing actually, you know, what those costs are. And, and that's a very important part of being able to prioritize. So, you know, we've got some, some difficult things ahead of us. I know this is tough for, you know, lots of folks in the community with – especially with the utility rate increases that we're looking at from our point. But, uh, you know, we have an obligation to uh, maintain the assets that we have and, and, you know, work towards solving the problems that we face. Vice Mayor Shipley, you want to add anything before we move to motions or? No, I guess maybe just, um, maybe if I could just one last direct question, because I feel like we've covered it, but I just, I just want to make sure. Uh, if I could just ask Jasmine, am I giving you what you need to do your job this year? This is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Um, I think the answer to that question is um, tied up in the strategic plan and, um, you know, we as staff were asked to tell 
tell you what we needed to be great at the strategic plan that is adopted. Um, And so we put forth a proposal for what that looks like as it compares to other communities that are um, leaders in this space. Um, So I think one position would would be great to help us move forward on these goals. Um, If I look forward several years from now, I'd like to see um, a sustainability office that's has more capacity and more staff to to do the work that we're talking about. Um, I will say that adding, you know, we are a staff of two, two and a half right now. And so adding a a whole new position is going to significantly increase our capacity to to do this work. Um, So this will help us move forward on our goals um, it won't help us meet them all next year, but I think it'll put us on the path to, you know, um, being in a place in five years from now when we are looking at the horizon for the strategic plan um, to get where we're, we're talking about going. Mayo, thank you, thank you for that answer. Um, I, I, I was looking at the agenda and I did realize I did not officially close the budget public hearing and revenue neutral public hearing. So I've now closed that. Um, other comments? If not, uh, a motion that we do have? Oh, Commissioner Austin. Yeah, I just got one more thing I want to add, um, just as I was listening to folks talk. You know, when I um, got on the commission six years ago, five, six years ago, one thing that I saw in some of the first budget sessions that I attended was a lot of silo work within our departments, where every department seemed to stand alone and had their own entire network of how they operated. And what I've seen happen over the years, over the last five or six years, is the melting away of that and that we are beginning more and more each time we have a budget session of we're working as a team, as a complete team. And the common thread through that that I've seen, especially in the last couple of years, is the sustainability and our equity, our drive to have better equity and, and more sustainable community. And that's the common thread that I see that is bringing together all of our organizations within the city of Lawrence. And I'm just really proud of that. And like I said before, this is a pretty risky budget, but I think that it brings together everything, much of what we're trying to accomplish with our strategic plan and that we just need to continue for, moving forward on that. Commissioner Nana, I'm willing to make the motion unless there's direction that we want to add to that motion. I'm not hearing any, but I wanted to make sure. Okay, this is Commissioner Nanda. I would move that um, we adopt resolution number 7391. Commissioner Bully, second. Mayor Finkel, there's a motion by Commissioner Nanda, a second by Commissioner Bully. Commissioner Nanda? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Mayor Finkel, aye. Aye. Passes five to zero. Um, that ends our regular agenda and the special meeting on the budget. We'll be back uh, next week and we'll have the final adoption of the budget as well as a very healthy agenda with some other items. So I guess I look for a motion to adjourn. Commissioner Nanda, I would move to adjourn. Commissioner Larson, second. 
Mayor Finkeldey, there's a motion by Commissioner Nanda, a second by Commissioner Lawson. Commissioner Nanda? Commissioner Lawson? Aye. Vice Mayor Shipley? Aye. Commissioner Bully? Aye. Mayor Finkeldey? Aye. Passes 5 to 0. We are adjourned. We will see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for your hard work.